What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Fudge Muppet. This is the Elder Scrolls Podcast. I'm Scott, here with Michael and Drew, as always. And today we have a fun little special one. It actually might not be little, it might go on for a little bit, but it's basically been 52 weeks of straight Fudge Muppet podcasts. So basically a year and we were going to do a little special year anniversary kind of thing. We put out a community post. We got a bunch of you guys' questions. Um, We've sort of gone through all the most popular ones and tried to include those and then also gone through some extras, but I don't know if we'll get through all of them because there were a lot and there was also sort of overlap between a lot of them. But And it just so happens that there are 36 of them yeah and that wasn't a that was an accident right that wasn't it was an accident so yeah for thematic purposes it was meant to be and the 36 lessons of vivek yeah and literally let's get into it the first question fudge muppet fan says can we get a long ass video on the 36 lessons of vivek i wouldn't mind a podcast on it but for such a dense topic i think the video format would be better keep up the great work as always and you'd be right because a video (laughs) format would do it justice yeah i think I think I remember years ago you talking, Scott, about making that video. And I think you'd started writing it and you were a few lessons in. You were just like tearing your hair. Like, oh my God, there's just so much to talk about to try and unravel yeah. all of this. Doing it in a podcast would be insane because there's just so much to look into. So many words that mean so many different things that get into all this weird out of law stuff. So it would be so much of it but... is like referential to like real world like um philosophies and stuff and uh, as well like it's it, it, it's gonna it's a lot of work that would be a magnum magnum opus of sorts if it were to be done well, who, but... who made the 36 lessons Kirkbride, right yeah well we could ask him yeah but then... that's always a possibility yeah but then 36 it hour podcast but then it's not open for interpretation you know what i mean it's not treating mm. the art as art you're no but then we could just be like the... no i'm gonna hold you there michael i think you're wrong on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um but yeah i i one day it will happen we'll, we'll do a long ass video on it one day but it will be a day i, I feel like i need to like <laughs> soak in some other things and do some other videos create a, a larger thesis but if you want something like it the the vivek explained video obviously goes over a lot of it and references it a lot so you could uh delve into there in pieces if you'd like mm. the next question comes from amelia's t if you three were daedric princes what would your spheres be and what would your planes of oblivion be like slash called that's kind of weird question because and this may be a bit of a boring answer, but I feel like just because so far we have lived the the human experience and the mortal experience, if I were to make a Daedric realm, it would probably be, you know, quite similar to Earth, but a utopia in a way. You know what I mean? Like just With just the statues of you ut- everywhere in, in <laughs> raw in gold. <laughs> no, but like, you know, if if I'm taking part in some realm, it would probably be you know, similar to Earth in the sense of having all this beautiful scenery. Like, just imagine the most picturesque realm. I wouldn't want a realm that's all one color scheme or boring. Daedric like... Prince of Boredom over here. Every no, single I just TV want Earth. channel. <laughs> Every no. TV channel would be Fudge Muppet as well. There's no. It's, it's absolutely what you would want as well. Don't kid yourself. No listen. way, bro. Listen, you could do listen, way listen, listen, crazier. listen. Listen like earth but all super creative and more interesting like scenery that's more epic everything good that you like about it more alien and crazy but then keeping all of the kind of like people and like it would be a very like love and and good times and like kind of 
that kind of realm mm. as much as i don't want to visit a realm that's like um uh, sorry as much as i would want to visit a realm in an elder scrolls game that's nothing like this and you know like oh scary nightmare realm that's not the realm I would make. That's a good point. If, like, I, if, if, I, if you're making a realm, it's going to be like everything you love about your with your mortal kind of like reference range, but enhanced massively. Take away all bad things that you don't like, all bad elements that you find unesthetic, and just have the most picturesque, family, friends, love-oriented, creativity-centric realm. Like the city of Hong Kong still there or like... No, well, if you want it to be, depend. Like, <laughs> so I'm not like, saying their own. I, Everyone no, brings their version. I'm of not. It. You, no, no, no. I'm not. It. When I say Earth, could I just clarify? I'm talking more like the biomes, not um like the cities. I'm not saying oh, I would want modern and there's Sydney and there's New York. That's not what I'm talking about no. at all. But yeah, so it just kind of vaguely follows the rules. You know, of the you know, in sci-fi, you know, in sci-fi worlds where mm. they'll have a planet in, in say Star Wars, like Alderaan or something like that, but it's more modeled after what Earth is. You have water yeah. and you have big verdant green like mountains and hills. And if anything, you know, those things you, well, I, don't, I haven't really used Instagram that much recently, but there's this whole trend of uh, landscapes that are actually fake. And sometimes you see people going, whoa, where's that? But like, I don't know, you should be able to tell it's pretty fake. But what they do is they get something that is kind of plausible. And then they just like ramp that up times a hundred to be this super unrealistic, almost like a fantasy yeah. realm. So what would your That's sphere what a fantasy be? realm is, right? That's the thing. The sphere, you'd, if you had to link concepts together, it would be those kind of mundane sounding things like love, bonds, creativity is fun. You wouldn't want to... You wouldn't want to... I'll, I'll, like friendship bonds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like the oh, Debella realm, essentially. Mm. A Debella slash Mara realm that has kind of like a lot of art and aesthetic appeal to it. I wouldn't want to... St when I say Earth, and I can see why, Scott, you started laughing. I don't actually mean like, oh, you know... I, I, I totally... Because when, when, when you said... Yeah, because when you said you Earth, totally you're like get what Earth, I mean, but it's just but like as much as like Tamriel is like Earth. Looking like I'm yeah, but but like, but when we're talking about Daedric realms, their realms all look like fire realm. I still like, feel like I'd hmm. go for something crazier and try and want to do something crazier, but make it pleasant. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, imagine like a good LSD trip or something. Yeah, or something like you know, just like not, that not I know, necessarily but... LSD with colors or anything, but like it could just be like. I don't know, like, it's like, imagine even if for starters, like, gravity was like, like, like have you seen, um, you know, uh, like, John Carter of Mars mm. or something, and you know how they're like, there's less gravity, and you just do these big leaps and bounds, and you're not going to fall and, like, crack your, like, legs and stuff, and there could just yeah, be, like, that'd be cool. like when pedals I say floating up too. from the ground everywhere, and you're swimming through pedals in the <laughs> sky and stuff, and there's, like, rivers that float through the sky like this and you know what I but mean? this like, is kind of this is kind of my my point in the sense of these are all earthy sounding things rivers petal flowers and like yeah but it's I'm done in a way that's like be the daedric same. not like mortal like do you know what i mean like you, oh people people don't die in my realm it's just like yeah. it's and it never ends but you're a daedric prince on so i guess you'd have to like so what if people like had a fight to the death and you can't yeah so would they just f suffer it endlessly in, I'd, in want pain? Them to, I'd want people Maybe to be able to fight pain. to the death and then just if they choose they just, to yeah, how about it's like out of the ground. how about it's like um it's like halo where it's like you can oh sorry borderlands i should say you can choose to fight an ally to the death but like the default mode is that no damage is turned on you can choose to turn it off mm. no nah, fickle fickle 
But like, yeah, when I say Earth, I don't mean like the same society. Like, this is the legal system, and there are courts and judges. Honest- and that sounds that sounds boring <laughs> as. That sounds. And here, here comes the police. No, no, none of that. Yeah, just aesthetically, yeah. the nature, just the an nature Instagram element. reel made into a realm. <laughs> <laughs> what you know about rolling down the to... theme song on repeat in the realm. I was trying to be realistic with my one. Like, what do I actually like to do? But then, what's different about me that would kind of impede? Yours that? would just be a big farm. What was this farm <laughs> show you were shilling after? No, the last dude, farming podcast? is cool. I was just watching a what TV show it? about farming. It's called Clarkson's Farm. Anyone who hasn't watched it, go and watch it. It's good. Farming is, is interesting. And Clarkson's England is beautiful. Realm. But um, no, I was thinking like Sanguine is probably up there with my favorite princes. So I feel like I'd be like Sanguine, but without any of the charisma. Like him, but socially awkward. And I'd have like the myriad realms of revelry, but not too much revelry, not too loud. <laughs> just a little bit of fun, but then I get socially awkward and you got to leave now. That kind yeah, of this thing. This is just a big pub realm with unlimited pool table use. Exactly. Just beer and pool tables. But then when I get like socially exhausted, I can make everyone leave instantly. And then no hangovers either. <laughs> but, but so like, what's the sphere, I guess? Because I feel like with the, in actually answering like the, what would your plane of oblivion be called? called or like actually look like it can be so like you know there's so many options and like the best way to answer the sphere question is to say each other's because it's i feel like we know each other better like better than describing yourself like what sums up each of us Oh, but then it's not what would you choose, is it? I feel like if you... Yeah, I don't know. Like, you you are making jokes like, haha, socially awkward, but you wouldn't choose that if you're like, oh, I you f- can be honestly, a Daedric Prince. Honestly, you would be like, I'm going to be the Daedric Prince of being socially awkward. No, no, no you but wouldn't. specifically just like having a laugh, having fun, playing some pool. Not doesn't necessarily <laughs> have to be pool. <laughs> just chilling out. Worst Daedric realm. Scott, you thought mine was bad. Just <laughs> How about that? Yeah, Come on now, go tell us about your LSD trip and and surfing on a flower petal down a down a river or something. I don't know. I would just like it to be like a fever dream. Like I wouldn't want it to necessarily yeah. just be like. Um, but with everyone you know and reality. care about, right? Yeah, but like th- that can be a relatively small pool of people. <laughs> you know, it's not like. No, I'm saying that it's included. Like I'm saying, like um. It it wouldn't be this realm that's like very. Empty. But like I'd be. I suppose a, but, what I'm saying are there lots of people? But I am societies a, in your. But realm? I am a Daedric prince too. Correct. So everyone around me, I guess, would be like lesser Daedra or something. Or, would yeah, you be humanoid? Like in your manifestation, or would you be something? I'd uh, just change. Different? I would want the most fluidity possible, which is when I say Earth as well. If you think about it, it's a high variety looking place. Mm-hmm. Like most realms are one, and obviously it's because of game development. But a lot of them are very like skinned to one to one theme mm. which is why i like the idea if anything of sanguine having multiple pocket realms that's probably what i would do in I retrospect like in retrospect i would probably have lots of pocket realms where i could just See, do whatever i want this is not 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 a, not a sheogorath um not like the shivering isles because it's like so like rooted in the main dementia but i would really enjoy one half of my realm be like raining so like that beautiful sort of like cold rainy day and the other just be pure crystal clear like blue skies 
sunny summer because I just a pet peeve me like the weather recently here in Sydney has been the exact like exactly like this I hate on and off rain I hate seeing sun with wet ground I hate it so much I don't know why <laughs> it's just my thing but I love when it's raining I really want it to pour and rain and like that sort of feeling when you're sitting there like cooped up and like looking out kind of thing and it's like raining. a like a doomer yeah or, the or even when you go or, yeah or when you go walking in the rain and stuff it's like a cool like feeling and so on but then I want the opposite I don't want like sort of misly kind of rain and then the sun kind of comes down it kind of gets a humid and sticky like no thanks you know, know. so sounds, there's a, sounds pretty sounds pretty boring there's an essential no but that's just two parts of it but then also like no gravity i wonder how that would work with uh i think it's rain. safe to say that no one would worship any of us but you know mm. whatever what would your sphere be scott um i don't know probably same thing i said right like it's it's got your subjective take on it. It may not sound that cool. Like, this is very different to if someone said, hey, um, not that I would want no, this, but, kind but let's of just like- say Bethesda was like, we're going to add a Daedric Prince into Elder Scrolls Six. There's going to be 18 of them. We're going to add one and you get to design it. This is not what I would do. But like, <laughs> what would you have fun, like, governing kind of over mortals? doing like as in your sphere so remember mortals are going to kind of like worship you because of these reasons somewhat you know Marin's dagon's worship for like you know to so you can destroy enemies and ambition and all that kind of stuff or like if i like what would you want to be worshiping just having, just having fun <laughs> these are but so not, but not too much yeah. not too much just enough to uh just uh i don't know like just take like even think of a when you say what do you want to be worshipped for it is kind of different like Maybe I don't want to be worshipped. No, but it's then. like for example, I would, maybe it would be my realm, but I would act more like nocturnal and not really, or like Periot, and I would just kind of be removed from it. I don't think I would be a Daedric prince who is very like, here I am. See, I think I would me. love to be like. I, I guess I could put like it would be cool to be like a uh, like a storyteller, go like a spheres of so stories, songs and lies, or something. It could be everything like that, all mixed in one, like or like you know, moving, you know, Daedric Prince of moving truths or some shit. Like you could put some poetic kind of spin on it, but then you you know your part in the, in the sort of metaphysical world as you go in and you like tell stories and tales and fabricate things to actually change like the. They come alive. Moving parts in, of culture, they the come alive. Well, they, but also, I know not so much the realm, but even in the in the mortal realms, in like Mundus or whatever, it's like you'd be influencing things somewhere. Give this group this tale, this sort of. So you just want to be playing like a top-down video game where you can just like basically world build, but it like has really really good graphics and like you're playing yeah, it in VR mode, looking down. You can put the them all in the swimming pool and take out the ladder. Kind but of I, thing. I, but I, but I feel like no, but spinning, like I guess spinning the stories, it's probably like I guess closer to a Daedric version of Ifri or something. It's the idea that it, but it coming into reality, you know, like you're taking characters and Pelinol and or, or or these kinds of things and spinning stories about them that then become part of the the mythos. Or what if you, yeah, it wouldn't really work in the. But so, so, like for example, people like that would come worship at what you would be things like you know poets or other storytellers or people that like tales and stuff like do you know what i mean if you're trying to think of a thing but if you're writing any good stories you would have to be responsible for killing a lot of people in those stories yeah, sure. and i suppose uh, yeah but, but my point is it, but you're not because you're you and you just but put your head in a question Daedric if you three were daydream yeah, princes yeah, yeah. but but you have your brain still like it's kind of like you would yeah but if you're if your your Isn't brain like, or something through the lens of a Daedric prince. It's like you you see things. You just get really desensitized. I mean, I'm pretty time. sure if anyone became a god, it would be very like you know disorienting and the sort of distance between you and 
like mortal reality because mortal reality is no longer yeah. even your reality. I mean, here's the fu- here's every the funny Daedric thing. prince is a little bit sociopathic by yeah. default by he- here's the not thing. being mortal. You know, here's the thing. I feel like <laughs> realms would change. <laughs> like right now, we'd all make the realms we talked about, yeah. but in a thousand years. We would be so bored of these realms that they would look completely different and far mm. more interesting. Well, what, what would your what would your spheres be then? I already said it would be some. At the start, it would be some kind of like Debella slash Mara themed thing. For a Daedric Prince, though. Well, Daedric know. Princes, yeah. I don't know. They the don't idea, have to when be they, bad. No, oh, no, no. The way no, I interpret like, the question. Hold on, hold on. The, the way I interpret the question anyway is because Adra don't really have these like interesting realms that they can transform and control, which mm-hmm. is why my whole take was when it's like if you were a Daedric prince, it's not like if you're evil, it's kind of well, like evil, if you had like a realm an, that you can control. Like an element of even if you were thinking about it like Anno Padme, like you were Padmeic, like an element of sort of chaos in the waters of oblivion. You're not like this sort of do you, do you know kind of what I'm getting at? Like, yeah. Yeah, look, look. Put it this way: if you were making a character, uh, uh, like a Daedric prince of God or, or, or of love or, and compassion, and who lives in um, an Earth-like place, doesn't sound like zesty. Honestly, no, it so, but, boring, but which is what I said from the outset. But but you are a Daedric prince. Like, if you were to make, if you were to be a Daedric prince, well, it's an interesting sort of one that you, look, you just. Want I think my one say- is the best. Like the the idea that saying. <laughs> that my realm would be a pub where you've got all these different Daedric creatures, all of these visiting mortals. You said you wanted song and stories. In a pub, you've got musicians, you've got mm. people having a chat, like having a drink and telling their stories. You've got mm. people playing sport, you've got people having chats, all of this stuff. Everything good and some guy just gets glassed. Look, in, in a Daedric <laughs> realm, that's part and parcel. But <laughs> as if, like you said, that's just watered down Sanguine's yeah. one of his realms. Well, all right. Scott, Scott, you just judged us all, but all you said was zero gravity and some f- flowers. I yeah. knew oh, and I said the whole storyteller thing. I judged <laughs> yeah. you all because yours was Earth yeah. plus love and compassion. Bro, nah. could it get more generic sounds? Michael's answer was basically like <laughs> the next top model saying world peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. let's all right. let's ditch that question now. Let's toddle on. Um, Gus says, have you all considered, uh, considered doing an Elder Scrolls story series like you'll did with the Fallout Redemption one? I enjoyed listening to that and think an ES one would be pretty interesting. Um, yeah. We kind of did an episode, actually. You may not know uh, about it. Yeah. We do have a story episode, which I actually can't remember the name the of. The Dwemer Vault story or something. I forgot. I... Yeah. I'm right. Like... But like, I, I would, um, I've. Well, there you go. There's one, but like I'd consider it. But um... I think where, when I've thought about this a lot as well, and I think what was really special about Redemption was um, having the artwork from oh, Tom. What was it? What's his yeah, name? Yeah, Tom Hanscher. Hanscher. Fantastic artist, and he was able, even though it was only a few images, to kind of bring to life the characters we made up. Whereas if we were to do it again, we wouldn't really be able to do it properly with in-game footage because. You don't want the story we'd write in prose to be constricted to just what we can show in game with character creation like that. I almost feel like you need the kind of original images. Yeah, um, is one element, but at the same time, it would still be really fun to do. I mean, like ultimately, it comes down if there is a massive like ask for it. If you guys really would like something like that, um, there's even things I've thought of before as even expanding, like you know, with. The, 
fan fiction or apocryphal whatever parts of the lore or like background for extra characters and so on and history and so on because there's some really cool parts like you know yeah like a futuristic kind of take on elder scrolls as a story oh that was that one one thing that that i lost i lost cyberpunk was so i had i had i had this written cyberpunk was so bad it bothered me so much but it kind of like i was like oh maybe i'll do this i basically had like a cyberpunk version of tamriel and i was making it up and with like you know it was like clavicus file had like corporations and stuff and i was trying to like merge it all and i had like this cool character and everything and but i'm like um yeah it didn't really go anywhere i wasn't because i just i just kind of lost it, it, yeah, because but I just lost it, like because also like the the word I was trying to find a way to represent it and so on, and I was trying to like make a think of ways to actually get it visually one, done. One thing that would be cool is if we got into writing short stories in the universe. You could like uh, I don't know exactly know how you do it, but mod them into books in the game as well. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool to come across in your adventure. Oh yeah, I'm sure yeah. we could find someone to help us do that, mm. but you'd have yeah to. it doesn't sound like the most complex mod so we could yeah um i guess we should move to uh key from the end it says if you could each pick one fan theory or unconfirmed piece of lore and make it canon which one would you pick and how would you go about adding it to the story that's kind of mm. tough because i don't have this list of yeah. fan theories in front of me to just like pick off i i definitely didn't come up with this fan theory but i kind of like adopted it so much that it's canon in my head but the idea that mankar cameron is a descendant of a long line of aliens who's just gradually been working on a way to get revenge for the elysian rebellion i quite like the idea of him having alien origins mm, me, That's me probably too, but the one i'd pick the, the problem with the question well not the question but um thinking about answering it is to me that sounds like a boring one to pick like you get one and yours is like, I want Mankar Cameron to have been alien. Like, I mean, it yeah. doesn't change. It doesn't really change that much. Yeah, but uh, it, would you want to change that much? Well, like, I'm sure there thinking? is some really cool. I don't know. I just feel like there should be something else that's way the, the, of more magnitude, I guess. Mm. More impactful. Yeah. But I guess the thing is, too, a lot of fan theories are small. So, like, well, they're like making connections between things and like obviously confirming them, but trying to confirm them. But. Aunt. Like I could be like, oh, it would be really cool if Lucien Lachance sent you to do the house party mission because it was practice for the purification. But I wouldn't pick that as one fan theory that I would make canon, you know? <laughs> Just <Fair> like <laughs> rustle fe- feathers and say that like um, that the the Marima are actually like the closest to the original elf <laughs> <laughs> look, and that the the elves, the high elves, are just the ultimate. Oh, there's like, there's one like Tamriel being old Maris is a cool theory. I guess that is. I guess they all kind of like in theories, but some of these theories are like so prevalent and so like it's almost like you know in the same way that like any like theory crafting or like recent sort of I guess like even science or whatever it's like evolution is technically mm. a theory but it's like generally it's the best you've got oh, the, there's one Do you know I would I mean? implement the towers one if that I would make that true oh sure sure I would that's a pretty good one that I would pick that. I think I, th- I think you were telling me before actually that you wanted to pick um Elder Scrolls and Fallout Universe as a connected yeah. Scott oh, you were telling yeah, me good that was one. Yeah, yeah yeah Scott yeah, was yeah, saying yeah, 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 Scott yeah. was saying that that was his favorite fan theory because mm. in Starfield all the planets you can visit are called like Akatosh Debella they're all named after the divines because it's, it's actually I want to be surprised surely there's going to be some easter eggs in there mm. oh in yeah Starfield, for sure for sure but uh go to a planet and there's a known route and you're like 
<laughs> I just just sleep. I just googled twenty five. Uh, found a list on Google twenty five Elder Scrolls fan theories, um, that might actually be true. It's like the Dwemer blinded the elves. Mm. Cool. Yeah, like a lot of these theories. Even though then, yeah, he did specifically say unconfirmed law, but most yeah. of the unconfirmed law, it doesn't really matter that much if it's confirmed. If there's a lot of evidence to suggest it could be true, you can kind of, you know, it's fun to consider the facts that it is true. Like the Towers theory, not knowing the true motives of the Old Mary Dominion is part of the mystery that makes it interesting to be like, is that what they're trying to achieve? Or are they just basically trying to conquer tamriel and that's it you know it like it's fun that yeah. if having conspiracies in the elder scrolls is fun it is but like i feel like there's differences a little bit like you know with the dwemer one like it's i i kind of agree with that sentiment with the dwemer because there's so much mystery but also i feel like they're like but whereas the thalmor I, I i guess i almost like treat it as true in my head and maybe mm. that's just an effect of me treating it almost as true so i don't really you know consider others but i also think it's such a good like meta plot for all the Elder Scrolls universe that's like it should be true because if they don't like for example if they don't play into any of that for say Elder Scrolls 6 or something like that it's like what's it going to be they're going to I don't know the the, the evil left-handed elves have returned and sword singers unite and come back do you know what I mean mm. I, I I'm don't surprised know. actually no one a... said anything related to the Dwemer as their pick but no, I, I like the Dwemer being a mystery. And I know yeah. that's like some people are like, oh, they'll eventually want to know. But it's kind of like it's part of the charm even of, of a lot of lost civilization kind of things. Like, I guess maybe that's part of it. Like Thalmor aren't a lost mm -hmm. civilization or like their mystery doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of, yeah. I don't know. I feel like and it would get messy. That will give the like this sounds so pretentious but they'll give the wrong answer <laughs> but like they will give an answer and then it will invalidate a whole bunch of other things and then i guarantee it would be done wrong if that certain makes sense. things like, can be so hyped up and, and the mystery around it can be mm -hmm. so hyped up that no resolution is going to be as good as the mystery yeah all right well here's here's an interesting uh opposite question by Stephen Cardone, if each of you could remove one piece of law from the canon, what would you choose? That is, what part of the law do you oh think should be removed to make everything else more cohesive and consistent? Oh, well, should we even ask Scott, or should we just ignore <laughs> See, him? It's, it's the Shellback Argonians. See, they're gone. Yeah, I know. That's that's I guess what the expectation is, and like, yeah, I agree. That would be good if it's gone. However, I feel like I we have to think about this a bit because I feel like there's other pieces in the law mm. that would be better removed. Like, as much as the Ebonheart Pact is the part thing is can sort of contrived and annoying. It's too small. It it's too small. Yeah, it's one alliance. It disappears in the span of time in the history. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. It's in this, like, tiny, like, period of the Second Era that happens. Do you know what I mean? Whereas it's not something that necessarily, like, permeates throughout the rest of Elder Scrolls what about the, What about the plane meld? <laughs> take, mm. take out the plane meld. I mean, to be honest, I don't know why. I've just kind of rolled my eyes at, like, even the idea that Dagon's doing the same thing in Blackwood, try, well, trying to do the same thing. Like, I guess, you know, that's what he wants to do anyway, invade the realm. But it's it just, just like... It makes the Oblivion Crisis feel cheap. Yeah, because within the span of, like, it's happened before, like, both Molag Bell and... And no one's talking Dagon. about it in Oblivion. Yeah, because it's... It was, or Skyrim. Yeah. We've said this before, but, like, obviously, ESO lore is canon, and there's a lot of it that fits in perfectly with the the way the law has been built up for however many years mm. but there's also the the unavoidable reality that it is an mmo with millions of protagonists running around doing so much great like massive feats of history in a, in the span of a few years that 
you kind of chalk a lot of that up to, yeah, it's canon, but I kind of just it don't pay attention to it. Like, if ESO add um, stories, like the Khajiit mythology, that's fantastic. It's great to know that about the Khajiit. But if they add this thing like, oh, during the year 582, there were millions of people who go to the hunting grounds of her scene, and then they go to the Deadlands, <laughs> and then they go to the Cold Harbor, and they do all of this stuff. And it's like, actually, are you kind of just write some of that off as it's just has I to would happen kinda, for the game. I would kind of actually say... If I guess my kind of opinion on a lot of Elder Scrolls Online lore added is a lot of the passive cultural religious kind of stuff added is actually often quite good. But the actual like events of mm-hmm. it, like the quest is kind of like, uh, you know what, yeah, I, I feel exactly. the same. Like I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever it can kind of. So what would we get rid of then? The Daedric invasions. Look, if we, if I can't think of anything. Yeah, I'm there's not, probably other things that are like. There's probably pretty... stuff to do with the Dragonborn, as far as like some of the Skyrim Dragonborn oh, stuff. Oh, that yeah, that's true. Worth removing. Like, like uh, even the uh-huh. Homelords shift away from their traditional uh, pantheon mm, and like this stuff is, like it, that. Yeah, well, that's a pro- proper. This is probably a really controversial one for a lot of people because they love it and they grew up with Skyrim first. And, obvi- and you know might not like the other games or really attached to the dragon stuff but like I would have actually kind of zipped the whole dragon cult dragon stuff out of existence I liked the Thorm as like a Nordic sort mm-hmm. of power from Kine and about breath and all of that kind of stuff and like mm-hmm. connection to the weather and so on rather than um, it being like dragon superpowers so I would actually axe the whole dragon Dragons. cult part. Like, you can have dragons still, like, as in related to, like, Akatosh or, or a few legendary creatures and stuff like that, but not, like, the sort of, oh, he was Alduin with his dragon army and everything. Because I kind of like Alduin even more as a co- conceptually as, like, this big terrifying Ragnarok end of world eater kind of thing rather than, I'm here to dominate men. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that might get clipped. <laughs> no, I agree, I I agree with that. Um, yeah, as like so, a big one. Yeah, to, so to I would remove. probably remove the dragon cult. There's like once again, like just to to clarify, like it's there's been there's cool parts of it that are there now, but it's just like I think if that was removed and built from the ground up, I feel like there's other ways of doing it or introducing similar cool things yeah the lore itself is interesting but it it actively detracts from what makes the nords interesting in certain respects and turns them into much more just vikings scandinavian Mm. types takes away a lot of what really makes them unique well marcus wellander asks what's your favorite in-game character i would like each of you to answer here's a uh i don't know if this is a hot take and uh, or so, but I actually think Ulfric Stormcloak, in terms of like conceptually his importance to the actual story and what's going on, his voice and his um, just sort of character arc, like his backstory and so on, is interesting. It's like one of the more interesting ones. Could, to me. could I just say, like, I'm assuming deities count. Like Vivek is a character. Uh, mm-hmm. no, right. but in game, come on, Vivek's I a guess pretty I, for when they said in game, I feel like they were talking about Skyrim, right? No, just in-game. It's an Elder Scrolls. For some reason, I was just thinking of Skyrim then. Uh, I guess Vivek, but I feel like that's cheap. It just feels a little bit cheap. It feels cheap, but it's true. Yeah, I guess Vivek would be... Yeah, I'm trying to think outside the box, because I guess like with Vivek, choosing Vivek almost lets you choose Shea Gorath or lets you choose a Daedric Prince. So I do get what you mean, that if it says in-game, maybe we should stray away from the really... Poggers characters. <laughs> I mean, because I was I was even considering, even though he's not that well fleshed out, someone like Umril the Unfeathered is really interesting as an enemy in in Knights of the Nine. But 
I don't know. It, I don't know if that doesn't count. Because he feels a little bit more... I know you have, you do fight him, but he feels a little bit in law in the same way that you kind of like talk to Pelinal's ghost and stuff, but it's mm, not yeah. the same as like the Pelinal in the stories. I, actually, I'll say Nazim. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought I, w- I would... The reason for Skyrim, at least, I would say Ulfric is just because his backstory is kind of tragic and he plays a big part and it's so many like misguided intentions. And we did a video on it and talked about like, you know, workings of shame and stuff in his background and it's cool like little theories and stuff you can build around him and um yeah i just think he's a central cool character it's kind of tragic almost and yeah mm. i don't know I, I, ulfric stormcloak because i think he's one of the more fleshed out characters in the entire thing I and mean, people might go like oh you know oh brynjolf because he was like a cool buddy or something like that or delvin because he's got a cockney a- accent and he stands out but like beyond that well, Ulfric is good as well because for the role he plays in the game, he's kind of perfect because you can you can see him as like a heroic leader figure to to rally behind if you choose to join the Stormcloaks. But he also makes a great villain at the same time without True. being a ha 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 twiddling the moustache evil villain. He's he's a character that you can easily really hate and, or and, really get behind. So he's perfect for his role. And I don't know why, but it's just something that's interesting in characters. But conviction is just something interesting in either a hero or a villain. It's just mm-hmm. an interesting sort of trait that they... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. What about Mike the Liar? Yeah, no way. Is that your favorite? <laughs> how about how about Delphine? Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I think... Uh, I, I would say Ulfric. Kind of. But if we have to give an answer each, we can't all just agree on the same thing. I mean, we? Parfenax is a really cool character at least just if we're talking very much in game just having dialogue with him he's got some of the most memorable lines of dialogue and gives you the one of the most like (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite quote man that's so cool um so he he's an answer as well if we're talking specifically skyrim Mm -hmm. divath fear is pretty cool but yeah, I know it's not Skyrim, but, but like, get, that's definitely a character. And I mean, I, I didn't want to say Mankar Cameron, but he's also a well, really. To good be one. honest, that's pretty fair. Like, I would actually say, like, if it was Oblivion, Mankar Cameron's pretty choice, and um, yeah. Dive Eighth Fear. If you can't pick like Vivek or Alexia or anything like that, if you have to pick like a mortal character, Dive Eighth Fear, then. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like Mankar Cameron would be pretty high up there for me. Hmm. But picking just one is so hard. Yeah, because then like Jagger and Bagan's a good one too. Lots. Uh, but yeah, I think we've done that one. All right. Matthew <laughs> Hendricks says, congrats on a full year, guys. Excited to see where things go from here. Since Talos didn't have to sacrifice his powerful creation, why is he still as weak as the other eight divines? Now, I, I'm i assuming what like is meant by this is like, obviously he doesn't play the same sort of role. He, he plays a similar role to the other divines, like kind of passive, not a big player. But I would say that it's actually more, I, at least uh, the way I would like interpret it all is that he's more disassociated with things as time goes on. Like uh, we talked about last episode that, that like Wolf says like, oh, it's time for the Empire to pass and so on. Like he's not attached to the worldly things as much anymore. And then, you know, I just sort of like, uh, it's not weakness as much as not presence, if that makes sense. Mm. Because well, like because per- Perryite's strength can't really be judged because Perryite doesn't do anything. And also, if he was so really. unimportant and weak, it's like why are the Thalmor concerned with trying to abolish his worship and so on? Mm. So it's kind of why I feel like they actually do see him as a threat. And he did ascend from being a mortal too. Like we don't know all the yeah. inner workings of how divinity works, but 
if they were already like divine and he came there from a mortal state i feel like him being as powerful as them is still a massive deal if that yeah. if that is the case but i think either look it's either game design and they just never bring it up or i think the other like better like explanation is that he's just um doesn't really care for the mortal things in the same way that he once did like when you're fresh out of being an emperor now you're a god and you're like oh well i'm gonna help my empire and everything but then over time you might be like you know you see generations go by you have no connections to your like great 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 grandkids and you might re not really care for them in the same you know way or care about the empire and like you know look up what wolf says in um plus how do you even confirm, like, this sounds a bit weird, but how do you even confirm that, Tal like, Tiber Septim has ascended to godhood? We've got confirmation of that. Is it, Talos, to me, feels more like a symbol that that more serious, like, real gods who have been there since the beginning just kind of use, yeah, like, as a symbol. I, I see Talos as just an aspect well, of Shaw, as we kind of talked about in the last podcast depending on the on some of the the law and what you believe and so on but like you know him becoming a god and everything and changing cyrodiil from jungle to like to to land i guess that's actually an example of why he isn't as weak like he did mm. something right there you know for red legions i love you and changed it so that's um, true so is the idea that he as he ascended but he was still alive enough to interact with people at the very beginning or I'd say so, and then over time, like being a god for a long time, you become disconnected from mortal affairs, and then over like lose interest. And then your realm changes from the earth realm <laughs> to the to the pub realm. Because I kind of imagined it to the flowers realm <laughs> that he essentially just dies, and then he's revered as if he joined the gods, as opposed to well, that's how he's revered. Yeah, as opposed to him, but like okay, like I'm now the god. I'm now turning like clicks his fingers and. The jungles are now um, well, flat. Well, they they do like say like he was so good that they he was um, joined a place among the divines. Like he mm -hmm. was made, like he became a god for being so cool. Yeah, it's just Whereas obviously it's difficult. The reality is the Daggerfall story and so on it has to do with mm -hmm. Mantell and Crux and the Numidium and all of that metaphysical kind of jargon. But yeah, you can look into plenty of videos right. like that. One-eyed Epi, if you were dropped into Tamriel with all of your law knowledge, what would you do? Let's say you were dropped in at the start of Skyrim. Uh, all of my law knowledge, because the problem is like a law, like who am I? That's the first question I have. Because if I'm just a, I don't know, an Imperial or a Breton, let's named just say you're... Michael, and I'm very mortal with no, I'm no, I'm not a Dragonborn. Let Let's just assume then. Just Different. let's make an assumption that it's either sort of Imperial Nord Breton, just some whatever variation yeah. of human. Just say dropped into a town in Cyrodiil somewhere. Maybe you're a Syro Nordic what? kind of person from Coral the or something. The question was the question was in Skyrim. Oh sorry, let's say you put it at the start of Skyrim. That made me think of the Helgen situation. So there's I mean, dragons coming back to a, to to eat the world and if you're not the dragonborn, what can you do? Yeah. Just live it up and I think a boring say, answer. I, I probably would go and join the the College of Winterhold and just um like to, mm. I'd keep my law knowledge, but then add to that a bunch of actual magic. It's it's hard to turn that down. And then I yeah, go over to farm in White cool. Runhold and just chill there. <laughs> I, f I feel like I'd just turn tail and go back to Cyrodiil, like just because like a comfier, um, 
kind of less mm. dangerous place. Like, I also don't want to live in a country where civil wars going on and dragons are returning mm. and stuff like that. I could just go live in even Bruma or somewhere else, and like, I'm not going to be some heretic or something with the gods. Like, I'll just stay out of people's way. If the option to go south across the border, I'd probably do the same, but then do something similar, like join the College of Whispers or something like that. To be honest, like, do you know what might be a pretty sweet gig is actually being a priest of some kind? Like, if, especially if you have a lot of law knowledge because a lot of theology, like, you know, and I don't mean like, you know, in, in the sense we have priests, like you could be like, you know, a priest of Debella or something. It's a very different lifestyle <laughs> than, than, a, than a real I knew you were going to get back to that somehow. Yes. Yeah. But as if that doesn't but sound that's what like I a... said. I said, just live it up mm. because the world is going to end unless the Dragonborn stops Aldorn and there are no guarantees. Yeah. So I would go like, yeah, I'd say Cyrodiil and there's probably, you know, probably go to the Imperial City and there's probably a cool art gallery or... Cool well, books or something. I guess the like, big question, when he says, dropped in with all your law knowledge, would you try to achieve Kim? Would you try to achieve Kim? I feel like, I feel like that kind of stuff requires, A, a lot of luck for not just dying on your mission to do that. But like, yeah. it's also B, like, it requires some innate kind of talents. And the question doesn't specify, like, for example, if they dropped me in and they're like, you are in the top 1% kind of top one percent of magic users in terms of natural talent then i would pursue that mm. do you know what i mean like it, it depends on you can be um what i who i am and in regards to the kim and so on like obviously it's a concept it can be um you can know of it but not like grasp it and become it doesn't mean just because you know of it doesn't mean you can get it so no, i can't just be like oh nothing i think this might be this. a trick question from epi that the idea can, is that like I... we know with our knowledge we know that this world doesn't exist we've been dropped it's like imagine living in this world and knowing the origins of the universe you know everything you, Do you know what? you know the developers of the he's world a real, he's a really if, if i actually had all the law knowledge and so on like without going like yeah the developers all that kind of stuff if you go in the world it feels very real but you have all of this law knowledge just like that it's just like well then i just write books i just become an author that writes histories of this or something like that or like you know do you know what i mean like because then you can just write all those books you can probably live off make you know make some money sit a comfy life in the imperial city or something and then I do would, other things you know. or you would head straight to nocturnal shrine in cyrodiil knowing you're going to get this easy quest to get the skeleton key yeah do that <laughs> and then use the skeleton key to do whatever you want i would undo creation there's no chilling in creating <laughs> a world that you know doesn't exist i'd undo it and then Ooh, come back to the real buddy, world I've, I've got news for you bro <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> the world is a yeah. simulation yeah but, anyway, um, yeah. um, I think we can move on to Zayn Malik. Didn't know he was if, a fan. But yeah, cool. apparently. If you could have an Elder Scrolls spin-off game with a different genre, like adventure, strategy, and so on, what genre would you want it to be? Um, hands down, for me, I think I would pick like a strategy type things to the effect of like... You know, there's mm. the. I think what's that game? The name's escaping me. Crusade they actually did an Elder Scrolls mod of. So they did mod. an Elder Scrolls Crusader mod Kings, for yeah. Crusader Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's good and all, but I also do like the actual like battles with the units and so on, like the Total War game. So if you had some kind of synthesis of the two, of some kind of strategy, Civilization, Crusader Kings, or um or Total War kind of combination, that would be really cool because there's lots of things in in the lore. Um, like you know, imagine doing like you know, oh, you set your time period and it's first error, and then you're like the Elysian.
in yeah. armies and you've I think got, I'd like, like that as well. You know, and then you could like even choose from all the different Daedra and or Aedra as religions to build for your society. Yeah. So you're like, oh, this society worships yeah, I don't know it, it, Mayroon's Dagon and, and then, it takes it to that it takes advantage of that sort of sandbox kind of fun. It's like, oh, what if yeah. I play the Reachman and then do kind of like what Dukarak the Black Drake did and take the Imperial City and take all the Tamriel or like what if I start off as an Argonian mm. and do the same. Because I feel like an adventure game, well, not adventure game, but any kind of linear game, I wouldn't like just a, a linear story because to me, that's not what The Elder Scrolls is about. And I, it would be cool, but it would be like, may as well be a movie. Have either of you guys played, or I assume you heard of, but do you know Hades? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like the idea of a roguelite or a roguelike where you're kind of maybe in Boethia's realm, potentially in her scenes, where you essentially are trying to escape a Daedric realm and you meet like lesser Daedra and things like this, other characters along the way, you improve your stats and skills and it basically plays like a roguelike game. It, it could be cool if you actually had like, I feel like to, to use, instead of just the one realm, maybe for the escape story or something, but it would be cool if it was multiple realms with mm. the multiple gods because you yeah. know how it's got all the different characters, you know. Kind of like a Morian Zenith going between the realms yeah. kind of thing. That that sounds cool, but it's probably not my flavor of game that I would pick if I had any to choose. Yeah. It's not I my first that, pick, yeah. but it'd be cool. But like if, yeah. you know, once again, it's like if they were going to all of a sudden make heaps of Elder Scrolls games and like, you know, make a Dark Brotherhood Morag Tong Dishonored style game about mm. the split, you know, set made by Arcane Studios, not by Bethesda, as an additional thing, I'd be like, yeah, that's mad. But it's like, if you were asking me if I could just conjure like one that I'd pick, I think I'd pick the sort of like a very polished Total War Crusader Kings kind of sandbox um, game like that. When I mean sandbox. I, I just I, mean, I just want Elder Scrolls 6. Yeah, that's, that's the real. That's what I want. Yeah. Okay, we got a question from Sesu. Would you guys ever be open for a Kirk Bride guest episode, Lamau? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean... Probably, why not? Yeah, for sure. I, I would I would at some point. It's kind of like this, this at the moment, there's some deeper, like, uh, like I haven't read every single bit of Kirkbride's mm. stuff and so on. It's like kind of would want to be brushed up on it and so on. And and like, uh, mm. but Ask yeah, I, I feel like it juicy questions. eventually. Huh? Ask all the juiciest questions. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, but def- right. definitely would. Alright, XX Saruman 82XX. If you each were forced to sell your soul to one of the Daedric Princes, whom would you choose and why? Thanks for the phenomenal content, guys. Well, thank Thanks, you man. so much for supporting us. And that's to everyone watching this. Like, massive thank you for supporting the podcast. Like, it's been fun and uh, we're keen to keep it going. But if I was forced to sell my soul to one of the Daedric Princes... Um, I guess you start thinking of their afterlifes then, right? Like, her scene's afterlife is pretty, pretty, like, okay compared to some of the other ones. Yeah. Hold on, I might have to pull up the whole list just to see it, just to... I'm thinking... I'm thinking There's probably Azura. something more chill. Uh, really? Yeah, if you completely What's simped for her and you were just, like, comfortable doing it, like, that just being, like, yes, Azura, my queen... I feel like you might have a pretty sweet afterlife, right? But what would you have in that afterlife? I don't like know. Like in her Azura's realm. You get to rub I'm oils su- on her feet, dude. <laughs> 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 you, you know what I, but you know what I mean? Like what, you what's get, so special about I think you get to look at Big Booba, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like Moon Shadow is said to hold too much beauty that it can make you half blind 
contains flowers, waterfall, city of silver. Azura resides in a rose palace and is welcoming to mortal travelers. But uh, if the I mean, blindness isn't literal, then that's a pretty nice sounding place to be forced uh, to live. Yes, but also you you may be alone for eternity. Like you don't actually know who else is there. there there'll be no interaction. You probably just go Wouldn't insane. That, right? Couldn't you just essentially say that for every realm? Like there's going to be other occupants people Hercene's to... realm is filled with like hunters like if you were a hunter there would be other people there and come kind of like a sense I, of me per- i imagine every realm away. has hordes of lesser daedra just existing there and potentially yeah. um yeah worshiping but because the thing is like i feel like with a lot of them like say boethia where you just get to fight all all day every day for the rest of your life or hunt in Hercene's realm a lot of that you'd get bored of whereas I don't know. I feel like in Azura's realm, so long as you venerated her and worshipped her properly, you could kind of just enjoy the beauty of her realm. I feel like Azura is one of the better choices because even if you go with the other traditional sort of like, oh, like lightish feeling ones, like, you know, Meridia is known for like burning out any idea of sense of like individuality and bringing you into this like light husk kind of thing. They mean are all nightmares. I, but also like, it's also who would you want? Like, you know, there's things like, oh, maybe Sanguine's revelry stuff yeah. would be fun, but... He's also, like, he's the same kind of guy that could screw over hardcore, like, and, like, to be yeah. in some dark kind of stuff. Like, he's a bit twisted. Well, let's you know? let's just checklist. It wouldn't be Vaymina. It wouldn't be Shea Gorath or Sanguine, like you're saying, or Periite or, I mean, Nocturnal. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's really dreary. Namira, no. Melek, Bao, no. Meridia, probably not. Mafala, no. Not Dagon. Malakath. I mean, if you've got a thousand wives uh, in the in if the you're an orc. Forge, but remember if you're the an question orc, too right. is like who you give Sell your soul to. Yeah, I don't really want to be this weird outcast. I would. Give, I think it's Azura, dudes. I, I think it. it w- I think it is Azura. I think I would. Um, I would live with my queen and worship <laughs> every day so that I don't get tortured. But yeah, only, no, it makes sense. Because as an orc, you're kind of like permanently considered an outcast too. This is a weird one. And this is, it's, it's probably like riskier, but if you go with the idea that sort of like your soul belongs to Molag Bal when you become a vampire, like if it was becoming a vampire and you kind of want a chance at living as a vampire for the rest of your life, like you could have a pretty cool existence on Tamriel, just don't want to get... Just don't die. If you actually get yeah. like decapitated at one point, game over, you're now in Cold Harbor. Mm. Yeah. I, probably I, not worth it. Azura, I think is the... Hmm is the go you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i've been convinced everything else doesn't sound too good none of it does though to be honest um all right christopher stokich uh any of you considered applying for jobs at bethesda they currently have quest designer positions posted mm. i mean like okay we've thought about it like anyone has thought about all kinds of things but the end conclusion you reach is I is th- that it's probably not that great compared to just doing YouTube. Mm. Like if you, for starters, we would have to stop YouTube because there would be massive like conflicts of interest because it would be like, you can't make an Elder Scrolls 6 discussion where you're talking about what you'd want in Elder Scrolls 6 if you're literally designing some quests for Elder Scrolls 6. Like it, it would get a bit suspicious. Also, we would know like everything coming out before it does. But it's also possible that it's not entirely like you could do it as in like, for example, like I also don't want to move to America and and, um, have to live over there. But um, if I, if it was like a, not a 
consulting sounds so like as a contractor it would be okay yeah a contract, no, no, for example if you were a contracted writer for some quests i would i would consider it but i guess the other thing is you got to realize that unless you have like full creative control there's going to be a lot of things you also disagree with and things that annoy you like you're yeah. going to design oh i designed these i don't know four quests but then so and so writer went and ruined it by adding this and that which i didn't agree with and it wasn't law friendly or it was too I feel simple like the most realistic thing is there's like writing some law books in that yeah. way like because that can also be done in a way where it's like you don't know the quests or anything or so on but it's like oh here yeah. through some like extra stuff or fuck. i mean but look like, put it honestly, put it this way if they asked us to write some quests and you know fine i would do it 100 percent, i would do it but the idea of having to like give up fudge muppet to go work for them and not have full control over like certain aspects of the game anyway and then it's just this mishmash of ideas i don't know i don't I'd, mind if it's like i just i would just like I wouldn't like if it was just law, some law creation stuff and so on, and you just give it to them and then they could do with what they like and what makes it into the final game makes it in. Like, I wouldn't, but that's what I'm saying. I would if they yeah. just said do some quests, but in terms of actual like becoming my you know career for lack of better words, I think I'd rather be doing this. Mm. Don't know, yeah. It would be awesome, but yeah, like being a fan and making videos is also kind of like we we wouldn't want to give that up. Yeah, the idea if we could somehow write quests or write law um, for Bethesda that would that would make its way into the game and then be able to to make videos on it, which is kind of you know is a big part of our passion. That would be amazing, but yeah, not having the best of both worlds would make it a tough call. Let's just make some fan fiction lore stuff and then uh, they can just put it in there for free. They'll just make it canon in Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> An open well, letter they... to Bethesda. If there's anything we say that you want to put in the games, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, the, oh, did you change that name? No, I did not. Because <laughs> you're, you're um, clicking your... Your click is next to it. You're talking about the cock wambler? Yeah, that one. Yeah, I did not change it. Okay, do you think Bethesda is going in a bad direction in terms of simplifying their games to appeal to a larger, much more casual audience? Also, what is your honest prediction in terms of when you think The Elder Scrolls 6 will be released? Also, I love your content, and Drew's a hottie. (laughs) I didn't see that part. He's going red. Goes great with the username. (laughs) Um... I think as an answer to this, it's like it's a it's a yes and no question because like yes, obviously in lots of ways, but I feel like streamlining and like reducing things gets a bad rap. Like, I don't know, maybe this is just a personal thing. Um, but for example, um, with Anation's mods that expand the perks and so on for the skill trees, you have like the ordinator one, which is really cool and it's big and it's lots of things. But I've often found that I like the minimalistic mods because it's more bang for your buck and sort of it cuts a lot of the fat so everything that's left is generally really good rather than having like a big bloated thing like i always like a bit more of a manicured sort of um system or 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 lore or whatever so i i don't like necessarily think some people i feel like you, you they suggest complexity like huge amounts of complexity but it's like is this huge effort of all of this complexity is, is it actually adding a lot to the this game or is it uh, adding things i i know what you mean i guess a simple answer which we've talked about before 
uh, is that obviously we we don't like that they're stripping out some of the role playing mechanics and different things, and we would want them to add it back in, like the the things we've talked about, like um, more diverse races, classes, and birth signs, and and all that kind of stuff is cool. Um, but yeah, like there are some things that you can streamline, and other things that you shouldn't. I, I will say this: if we believe Todd, which is obviously take everything he says with a grain of salt. If he's saying Starfield is going to be like the, have the strongest role playing like focus mm. that they've ever had, that to me sounds at least like a step in the right direction yeah. for the next Bethesda game after that, which is the Elder Scrolls Six, right? Yeah, I hope. Look, I hope so, but it's hard to not be cynical when it's sixteen times the detail. Like. Yeah. Also, <laughs> um, on the second part of that question, I, I think the Drew, the Drew's a hottie part, or <laughs> on the about in terms of whether the when you think the Elder Scrolls Six will be released. Oh, um, this oh. might um, annoy people, and I don't mean it in a negative way because I think ESO coming out like back in 2014 and still being a thing now, I think it's been incredibly good for the community because it keeps people interested in it. Like people, there are such so many people who still love and play that game, and they've added a lot of cool lore. But I do think it's a reality that the success of Elder Scrolls Online as an MMO and the amount of money MMOs make versus single player experiences that definitely has allowed bethesda softworks to take as long as they possibly want to bring out an elder scrolls 6 i think if mmos didn't exist eso didn't exist elder scrolls 6 would not have been 15 years after elder scrolls 5 mm. i think that is the reality of my, like, my why, guess is, why rush when you're making so much money off of eso yeah my guess will be 2024 I'm optimistic. I'm going to put a 2024. Yeah. I just can't, but I can't, I can't see 2023 just because Starfield comes out 2022. Yeah, I can't see too. double re release 2024, 2025, one of them. If it's beyond that, it's kind of like silly. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. But yes. yeah, let's go on to Pepe Sour or Saw. Pepe Saw, like a Pepe Dinosaur. Uh, yeah. Um, if you were to live as a certain race in their respective homelands, where would it be? Who would you serve and what would you do for a living? Um, I would pick because I'm a done. Oh, sorry. Pepesaur is like the Bulbasaur with Pepe's face. Uh, <laughs> um, I would probably be a Dunma, a, just any of the elves you get to live a long life. So that's cool. Um, if it was in the golden age, which is, you know, most of Morrowind's history, like you live in a place protected by the gods and as long as you're pious and so on, like you can live a pretty pretty good life like it depends who you are in in the society of course but that goes for anywhere but i guess uh to, to be honest be joining once again like i was sort of saying before but being a, a priest or or you know part of the tribunal temple in um in the uh for the tribunal in, in morrowind is a pretty sweet gig you get a lot of like power you get a lot of like um uh and you chill living you'd you know? probably want to live somewhere around Mournhold, maybe in the center of Morrowind yeah. where where the conditions aren't quite so rough and you want to make sure aesthetics. as well that you're not too high ranked though because it's tempting to say i would be a king or i would be like the high priest like essentially like the pope of a, a certain province or culture but then you're a target like i feel like the sweet spot would be like just very high ranked but not a target yeah. The only thing too is like but the one thing I was going to say too, the, the best part about being a priest as a Dunra in Morrowind is that you have literally living gods to help like protect you then that yeah, are sort of, of involved in your plights as well. As opposed when I say to like, a target, I mean from your own like competitors, like other Dunma that want to be the mm. big priest. 
Like I'm, I'm sure it would actually be way more underhanded and like mm. competitive than you think if it's this kind of position yeah. of it, of big power and respect. Like any position of power and respect but yes yeah. i think if i could have my ideal situation i'd probably be a high elf who gets recruited into the um the sigic order go to the isle of arteum kind of like vanis galerian and manamarco did um you know without obviously getting into necromancy but i feel like that's a pretty good gig you get a long lifespan you live in a really beautiful magical place and you get to learn the kind of secrets of the universe or some of them but you have to be a bit of a monk as well yeah like i'm pretty sure it's a bit of like lots a, of responsibility but i guess that like comes a there really. high responsibility like kind of like you also have hundreds life. of years of life it's not like you, you you don't really need to rush and live it up in your 20s or whatever you know <laughs> you can i i'd i'd take that gig if i like was in the, in the order for 50 years or something and then went on to do my mm. own thing I, I think i would be in the somerset isles as a high elf as well purely for lifespan purposes mm -hmm. Um, in some high position of power probably sounds doesn't sound too crazy but just whatever position lets me do whatever i want but that's funny like if, you, if you're some too, like high positions of power like you know especially nobility of kings comes especially in high off culture i'm not i'm not i'm not saying responsibilities but i'm but i'm not saying that and a lot of the time like it, it's not always like it will be like the real like preach purity to the masses and then do whatever you want in your own time yeah, and but like, the way I understood, like, because like, high elves too, it's funny, like, because you don't necessarily think you might go like dark elves, like religious. Then perhaps a merchant, then like some yeah. super su super rich merchant. Because I I feel high like high elves. Because then you can do what you want, but you don't have the the shackles of like royalty or anything like that. Because as much as you live with like you know unlimited life and stuff, which is all, or sorry, long lives, um, but like uh, society. Ultimate society seems really oppressive even for people in it, like in terms of even upper class, like all of the ridiculous, like micromanaging every little bit of cutlery movements and everything you do in your life. It's very order, like little freedom. Yeah, I don't know. Go go play Elder Scrolls Online. It's, it's, you can see it for real and chill out in a Disney Shrek land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that... Uh, yeah, so I, I would just it. pick something that maximizes my freedom and so I can just do what I want. Funnily enough, though, I feel like life. a lot of the elves... Uh, uh, maybe not. Maybe some of the elves actually have... Like, actually, do you know what might be a decent living um, that I didn't really consider, but being a wood elf, um, chilling out and just, like, hunting and having a family and stuff like that could be cool in the way that you get a lot of freedom or places you can move and go and, like, less, uh, I guess, invasions and stuff like mm. that. It's not really free. I mean, it's just freedom within a forest. Yeah, like, but it's they live the most like sort of romantic, open sort being of like, a spinner or something. Kind of or being in tune. Yeah, with like free. they yeah. like it doesn't have the same level of like rigidity as a lot of other societies. But then again, you could go being someone a rich person. I mean, rich merchant in the imperial city is probably a sweet gig too. Yeah, except then just to live a long time because you're a high elf. Mm. That'd yeah. be cool. Mm. Anyway. Let's move on to uh, Waylon Bennett. How do you guys differentiate Kirkbride's law to that of the games, or do you believe they complement each other without being contradictory? Um, I basically just say if it's in the like in the most raw sense, if it's in the game, it's canon, and if it's not, then it's not. But if it sounds canon enough, then I kind of accept it in my head. But I would never go and, and yeah. preach it publicly as like, oh no, this is hundred percent 
like for real yeah it's like it's the kind of thing like that canon's really good and it's important but also like interpretation and stuff on top of that is um increases your people's like enjoyment or understanding of things and allows like a change of ideas and so on and i think for that for good chunks of his law um it's complementary i think yeah sometimes he does go a little too far with some things and i'm like that's not really my taste but that's the thing it's all we would treat it outside of canon one way that i think it works quite well together is if you you imagine that some of the kind of out of canon out of law stuff that kirkbride writes like for example i mean yeah it's technically not canon but there is references to some of the things that happen in skyrim like the snow whales or um the flying snow whales that hover around um the throat of the world for example who drop like kind of essentially cocaine snow on the people and they all get it really giddy and things like that it's like you can choose just to not believe that but you can almost you can use it in your mind as a kind of like oh it's folk it's a folk tale from some random village in skyrim so you can treat some of this really crazy lore as just ways to flesh it out without having to take it too seriously and examples of ones that complement greatly um in the vivek explained video that we've got on the channel from a, from a while back, there's these big chunks in there where I'm talking about um, some of his laws, lore about Vivek meeting um, Nerevar and stuff. And this provide, it provides so much extra like character and, and it fleshes out Vivek a lot more and uh, provides a lot more context and so on. It greatly enhances his character. Like I pointed out as like, oh, you know, this is out of canon kind of stuff. But um, sometimes I also lean a little bit to like trusting his inside a little bit more when like you know he they write the characters like you know Kirkbride wrote the 36 lessons of Vivek it's kind of like well then maybe he has something to say about it like or what at least what I'm saying is his ideas about Vivek are at least somewhat more interesting because he Mm. somewhat yeah because he wrote it and at the very least if you kind of accept the fact that in the Elder Scrolls you have unreliable narrators that, that it, it kind of makes the universe much more alive and real with, with the potential that you can hear stories and it could have just been some some crap that someone's made up in a tavern or something like that and it it's it's that's how the real world works there's there's stuff that we take as as gospel truth that happened in history that you know like um some things don't happen some things do people embellish stories you know the the winners write the write the histories is that saying things like that it makes the world so much more alive when you have that that kind of thing happening but yeah and like one more thing about Kirkbride as well is it's um something i said in actually in a video i'm writing at the moment is that it's kind of awkward if you have a a, someone who's essential to writing the law early on in the game and then they stop working there but they had intentions for how this piece Mm. of law was supposed to develop or why it is a certain way so if they go on to say, oh, this is what I meant with this character, it's technically not canon, but the whole foundation of that character is in that. Yeah. Yeah. So it is tricky. All right. Well, let's go now to uh, Barry Dalton, lore-wise. What's the most anime thing that's ever happened in the Elder Scrolls? Now, Dragon Breaks, probably, right? Uh, but I want to call that anime, though. Like, I remember anime would be... 
Well, because anime is not anime doesn't mean like contrived and poorly thought out. It just means well, that's you, not what I meant. I just meant like so crazy and ridiculous, like multiple no, timelines like, all what, going. What I'm saying is this, What I think is one example, but it's actually technically not a hundred percent like confirmed law. Is for example the um, Pancrato sword, like a sword singer creating this giant sword yeah, and okay. cutting a continent in half, is kind of like sundering a continent. That's like a pretty like anime vibe thing in the yeah. way that like you know giant swords, crazy battles, kind of stuff. Like, a few years ago, I made a Twitter meme that was like the YouTube title top 10 anime betrayals and put like Lucy and the oh, Chance yeah. hanging in Apple Watch Farm. It's like, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a bit of an anime moment. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, I think like, I mean, sword singing in general is a little, like you could go as a little like weeby anyway, like to start. I mean, the whole inspiration for like, you know, Yakutans anyway, like a core foundation of their inspiration mm. is actually... Um, Japan, Japan. Mm. yeah, and like, but yeah, like you know, summoning like you know, super swords, yeah, spirit swords, s- like, you know, yeah. it's it's kind of you can kind of there could be a little bit anime feeling, I would say. Um, Nani, all right, dumb face says so. The seal offers a little hint that all player characters are connected through the franchise in the Clockwork DLC. He calls the player character the prisoner. You always start off that way. My question is, do you buy it? Is the Dragonborn also the hero of Kavach, also the Nerevarine, and so on and so forth, constantly showing up in times of crises to save Tamriel? Furthermore, if it is true, could that essentially make the player character a divine, like an aspect of Akatosh or a Daedra, such as Lorcan, considering Mundus is his realm, and do you keep saving it? Thank you for all your amazing content. Happy one year on the podcast. Yeah, well, as for the second part, I don't know if, like, the make a character divine or anything like that. You, people can talk about that and theorize, like, aspect of Lorcan, Chesarine, all that kind of stuff. But to get to the core of it there, um, being the player character as a prisoner and this sort of idea is... It's kind of like a meta-recognition of you, sort of, your player's agency. And Vivek does this in the 36 Lessons of Vivek and, and then things he says as well. And, you know, obviously, Sothisil and him are related. They both got divinity. Um, similar way um, that but you, your role as the prisoner like the prisoner is yeah it's a vessel for you and so on and so you know they, there's, they use that as a like sort of a poetic um, naming for like you who has control because it's you and the world but this is like getting out like it's very like it breaks the fourth wall a bit like it's the self-awareness kind of thing there is like, you know, meta law like that kind of like the idea of the godhead you can imagine it's all oh, the godhead is just the the real life human beings who fought up the elder scrolls universe and things that you, you can get kind of um yeah as you've pretty much said get meta references to lore that's in the games but it's almost more of an easter egg than something to take too seriously because if you go down the rabbit hole of thinking that oh you're the player characters are are an important part of the Kalpic cycle. Like, oh, in, in in a million different Kalpas, everyone's story is canon or whatever. It's like, you can go down a lot of rabbit holes with that that are fun in a meta conversation, but don't really lead anywhere. I can't remember if this is exact. I'm pretty sure in his speech as well, he's sort of like, he's very like fatalistic and deterministic about his actions and how everyone does these things. But there's kind of like an almost implied exemption for you because you're the one, the, the prisoner, the player, the one with exerting free will onto everything else where NPCs have to like behave as they are programmed like Vivek's talked about that but like people can interpret 36 lessons of Vivek and some of the things he's said as self-awareness that he is an NPC and you are like a player like you have actual agency and stuff but this is all 
you, you can kind of appreciate those sort of like meta fourth wall takes without having to integrate it into like law takes. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say to that, I think. Okay. Out of date toilet. Mm-hmm. Someone has probably asked this already, but if one race could come back slash become playable in the Elder Scrolls 6 or in a spin off game, which race would you all choose and why? Uh, how about none? <laughs> I actually don't have a... De- I'll pick one, but I don't have a desire to like increase the amount of playable races. I'm really happy with how it is. I would just want them to be more fleshed out, the ones that are there. If there was one to be injected like smoothly, like is still is a sort of humanoid kind of thing, it doesn't drastically well, like upset the boat is i feel like uh marima like the cls yeah, could fit relatively well it's a cool unique experience could give it some cool gameplay things like some mm. people might go oh you're like you know slowed or something but it doesn't really fit with the world like everyone would be like what the hell like arguably they would even do that to a seal because seals are yeah. very foreign but um i feel like if they did bring back seals they would still you'd still want to have them be quite rare in the game yeah like i don't want this to be some weird atlantis feeling game where everyone in it is a seal one thing i would say is like i'm not huge on like adding the like you know i said like the playable races like same as you michael like i feel like tens enough like you know diversify them and flesh them out more yeah but um at the same time one thing i would like to actually just just a fun point to add is i would like them to add more um races that are like sort of outside races that are sent so for example that you can oh you meet a slowed in a quest and you're talking to a slowed or like to goblins or like you know a minotaur and so on like that actually have a sort of sentience so it's not adding back playable races it's adding like races as in like actuals treating them as such not just like oh it's just another enemy for me to kill it'd be cool if you could go in and do a quest and there's like a goblin tribe or something and you're talking to their leader or something and it but it might go south like they might sound more bestial or something like that but Hmm. I just feel like it would be cool if they actually included that a bit. Even if the sea elves, for example, it's like, oh, one of the quests is like, oh, they're raiding the coast of Hammerfell or something. Stop them. And it's just an NPC you can find in a quest line and you can sort of talk to the leader and so on. But it would just be a cool thing to say. In the same way, actually, how you see a snow elf in Skyrim. You, know, you see um, Gelibor. Like, yeah. it's a cool to meet, you know, other characters like that. But yeah. Dylan McKean, question. Combat is supposed to be enjoyable, but not overly difficult. At times, I find it can get repetitive, though. Would you support a more advanced combat system? Not one at the level of complexity in games like Kingdom Come Deliverance, but just something with more layers to it, like with mods, such as Wildcat Combat of Skyrim that adds injuries and perfect blocks. To what extent would you change combat given the opportunity? Honestly, I think combat is due for an overhaul, and you did beat me to it when you said, I don't want it to be like Kingdom Come Deliverance, but that's mainly because it's just hyper-realistic, and I'm not the biggest fan of that in a game like The Elder Scrolls especially. Um, But yeah, you can definitely add some layers. Like, there's the combat overhaul mod for Skyrim, which has, like, you know, dodges and different things. I mean, even in Oblivion, there were some more advanced things, like... um, I think there were perfectly timed blocks that would result in you bashing them and they stagger. Um, things like that are all cool. I guess sometimes too, they like sort of like the way it moves and feels. Like I'm actually not, I am not opposed to it at all if they want to move it to things like that sort of dark souls-esque kind of even, you know, secure level kind of stuff, right? I, on premise, on face premise, I'm all good for fluidity of movement, making it feel good and, and you know, but it's got to work in first person. That's the thing. True, but the other thing is that you you've got to consider is the one fundamental part is that 
Elder Scrolls is about more, a lot of the time is about different paths, multiple play styles, being able to be a maid, combat, so on. If they put all this attention, for example, into making it like some like Sekiro fighter kind of thing, it you don't want it to feel so bad to play a mage by comparison because it's like, poor, it sucks playing like this or that or this. Only sword and shield is like the coolest way to play. Mm. Like in you, you need to do it in a way that also supports the other play styles, like sneaking and that needs to feel cool as combat does, as cool as mage does. And of course, you're never going to get that balance perfect, but they need to be sort of and that's on one thing about it being an RPG is that stats are kind of important. So if you have a combat system where skill alone can kind of do everything, then the stats become less important. And then, yeah, if you have first and third person, it's also harder to make something that is satisfying to do in both. I mean, like um, I've been playing Chivalry 2 recently and and that does a really good job of of swords, shields, axes, like weapons like that in first and third person. It deals with archery well. So it, some, going along those lines could work. But yeah, yeah. The, the problem is you've got to try and make something that, that is satisfying, like a satisfying crunch when your sword hits in first and third person and, it's and the make of the stats like, work. It's also like what you're going with for your game. Like, you know, like Mountain Blade um, 2 or so on, or even the first ones or so on. It's like the combat's kind of like, it's not smooth, it's not clunky, but it's, it's serviceable. Like this is a pretty clunky example ultimately, but it's like, the reason that's a popular game and people like to play it is not because of that. It's like, remember, like, what's your, like, thesis of the game? Like, it's the exploration. It's the being able to do what you want, the many paths and so on. So I feel like while everything needs a general improvement, you don't want to go too hardcore down one sort of rabbit hole and then it's all of a sudden Assassin's Creed parkour sort of running around everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Because you don't, you don't want to play a mage that's... You know, like, you don't want to feel gimped as a mage character because you want to walk around like a normal person. But meanwhile, like, you know, the best way to play is climbing that wall and jumping around everywhere. I mean, so so I guess to sum up, we wouldn't want, like, any drastic changes, but little uh, things added would be nice. Uh, Jason says, who would win in a fist fight at a Wendy's parking lot at 3 a.m.? Mayrun's Dagon, Molag Bal, or Shea Gorath? Also... Who'd attended and abstain? I'm assuming they mean like maybe other data princes who like come what? And watch, just or watch it. Look, let's just keep it but to the parking would watch. lot. For it. That's if we go thing. if we go to the actual when just the three competitors. I'm gonna just put my money on Marion's Dagon. He's literally got four arms. Like I feel like that's a huge advantage in a fist fight. In a in a <laughs> he's literally got four fists. Shale mm. Gorath's like this old dude with a walking stick, and uh, Merlag Balor's. You know, yeah, he's. You know, I guess the looking. story would probably go though that uh, Shea Gorath wore some magical ring that when he punched Mayrun's Dagon shrunk him to the size of a grape and then he just stepped on him. No, no. There you go. Such it's, a it's done. That's it. That's cringe, bro. <laughs> not based. It is, it is, not it based. Is what it is. It is what it is. What do you think, uh, Drew? I think, yeah, Shergoreth would need some tricks up his sleeve, like yeah. drop oh, a Wendy's sure. milkshake in front of Meryn's Dagon as he's coming at him or something like that. It, it, he's not going to win in a fair fight. But it wouldn't be Merlag Bow. We can all agree <laughs> Imagine on that. Imagine such a hot take just going. I'm just thinking back to other questions before. It's like, what piece of like canon or law would you remove or whatever it was? And it's like, I'll remove Shea Gorath in his entirety. <laughs> <laughs> just... But yeah, go on. Uh I guess I think uh, I think Dagon it. W- would it wouldn't be Molag Bal. No one would pick Molag Bal. No, right? he he Molag Bal prefers to pick on people smaller than him. Mm. I think is a is a, a pretty because Mayor Dagon thing. can also obviously likes being underdog, ambitious, so on. 
you know he, he, I kinda... think Dagon would beat Merleg Bal yeah. in a fist fight yeah um, alright Vernon when the law says the hist give Argonians their souls do you think this could be understood as consciousness instead of a metaphysical soul so when they die they don't necessarily go back to the hist but the hist have their knowledge and can use it so I would I would go and say it is the soul but I get what he's getting at here is kind yeah. of like functionally the Argonians are like biological automatons that are just kind of connected to the hist and then when they die their knowledge just sort of comes back to the database and that's the kind mm. of vibe of it but I you know you simply put like you can soul trap the the argonians they sort of seem to have a sentience outside of uh black marsh and so on i i don't think while i agree that the hist use them and they're a vehicle for like the hist i feel like the soul they do have a soul and it is important mm. you know what i mean like they're not just a flesh com uh, machine i think yeah it is it is a little weird though like because you know the idea that they evolve from the ancestor lizard the 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 size of the soul for the basic lizard would be different to an argonian so the soul would in some ways change look but again you also have to look at gameplay versus lore like the whole idea that there is a lesser greater grand and like stages and levels of soul is gameplay from a lore perspective it's kind of contrived and a little bit like okay whatever do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you know this soul has 1000 points like it's kind of you know it's not how it works. So maybe you could run it, but yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm more inclined to believe they have souls. Let's move to, to the randomized assassin. How did Fudge Muppet form? It would be interesting to know how you all started. Thanks. Uh, well, we started in 2013. So uh, Scott and I were still in high school. Um, and we just, we actually were... We had a friend who was doing YouTube and he was doing all right, as in like he had like, I don't know, 100 subscribers or something. And we kind of like for, for fun, like kind of be like, oh, we can get more than you type thing. And we started and then um, we just started making Skyrim builds. And then we just started doing Elder Scrolls content, seeing it was going well. Uh, we dropped out of uni after like a year. Yeah. And then a it few years in... Uh, Drew came aboard. Yeah, well, I started. Oh, sorry, you, you wanna take it? You can. Okay, well, I was just gonna say because I didn't. I didn't grow up in Australia. I came out to Australia from England as a teenager, and I didn't know these guys um, at all until uni. The first, like, the first class of uni was a um, like a compulsory class where you don't get to choose who you sit next to or anything like that. And I happened to be placed next to Scott. And, uh, you know, we got to talking. We both liked Pokemon. We both liked Elder Scrolls. <laughs> we we didn't shut up in class. And then eventually, one thing led to another. Yeah, and uh, we were all working together. Because then I was going to... Because um, I ended up quitting university halfway to f pursue Fudgemarket full-time in 2015. So then I... Um, but then come like later 2016 or so on, I think Drew was like nearly done with his degree. But I was like, hey, you know, you're interested in this and like writing and so on. Like, did you want to um, come aboard? And then uh, he came aboard and uh, that uni degree. <laughs> I got that degree and now it just gathers dust in the yeah, closet and never used yeah. it. Uh, I'll tell you what, dropping out was, was really hard. Mm. Um, not like I wanted to do it, but everyone else in your life when you're a, you know, very young adult and you're like, hey, I'm going to leave uni uh, to do a YouTube channel about Elder Scrolls. Doesn't make sense. I guess I should also clarify that Scott and I have known each other since we were like, I don't know, seven years old. Um, mm. 
mm. and we were playing Oblivion and all that in in primary school, but didn't start. It's funny we didn't start YouTube in 2011 when Skyrim came out. It was a 2013 thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. back in those days, it was a bit more difficult as well, like making builds yeah. on an Xbox 360 where you guys had yeah. to like get yeah, the Ogre yeah. Infinium on every character. You couldn't use console commands, stuff like that. It was yeah. a, a slog. And to be fair, we probably would have been laughed at if we did it two years earlier because we were already heaps young. <laughs> yeah. We were already heaps young and then it would have been, yeah. I would have been... Yeah, <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> no. But yeah, that's that. So, Jacob Baker, what changes do you guys reckon they'll make? Baker. Baker. Sorry, so what am I thinking of Baker? <laughs> so, is that from a game? No, I think it's an author, Scott Baker. No, it's from a game. Oh. Okay, there's a Baker anyway. Uh, what changes do you guys reckon they'll make to the appearances of races for the new Elder Scrolls? As in Oblivion looking different to the Skyrim version. Love the podcast and you did. Keen, keen for more to come. Anyway, look, one thing I guess is uh, I think they will go with a more muted sort of ESO kind of looking elf rather than the kind of more weird hyper angular Skyrim looking elves that they, um, that they did do. I think Khajiit and Argonians will kind of riff off what Elder Scrolls Online's done so far. Like, I don't think they're going to make any drastic changes to them. But like, I think all of the, the elven races will look a little closer to human, a little bit more you know, aesthetically pleasing rather than the sort of, you know, mm. angular I, I think the drastic differences you get from Morrowind to Oblivion to Skyrim aren't going to be the same anymore because ESO, yeah, they did make some small changes, but for the most part, excuse me, they were very similar to Skyrim. Um, and I don't think, I think they've kind of reached the point now where they're not going to change drastically from here. Yeah. Mm. I feel like that as well. I just hope they don't get inspired by Elder Scrolls Online and make it a bit Warcraft slash Disney looking. Like, I like the the realer, the more real look. And by the way, Scott, the brain forgets trauma. But uh, you know how I'm saying backers from a game? It's the Nomad Clan from um, oh, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, so, Cyberpunk right. and stuff. <laughs> oh, I was like, I ran with the backers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Good uh, that's what that good was. Game. Anyway, Johnny Ball. A bit of a personal question. How has the Elder Scrolls series affected your individual lives? In brackets, gotten you through hardships, made you feel comfortable with yourself and so on. P.S. I love you guys so much. Uh, it's an interesting question. I guess for all three of us, the main way it's affected our life is it's given us a job. Like This is our full-time work. Mm. So that's really cool. Um, I suppose it hasn't really uh, made me more comfortable with myself. Uh, or gotten me through hardships. See, I for don't me know about I, that. For me, it was a lot of fun and just I good didn't time. Necessarily have like a pleasant like high school experience and so on. Like Skyrim was so cool. Like for me, but like it was probably unhealthy. Like the amount of, that I played. But like, yeah. especially considered to give me anything. But like, um, for sure, Skyrim and so on. Um, you know, is like and Oblivion even before it kind of gives you a cool like you know any service just like how any escapism kind of is it, it helps in a way but one thing is actually role-playing i think like my understanding of like characters and stuff got way better role-playing in mm. games because i would deliberately try and like explore other mental states and like be someone else like oh you're not considering oh what would you do so you start, sort of stop seeing everything through just your own eyes but yeah like same my, as cultural understanding as well yeah El learning elder scrolls law gave me massive like would force me to learn a lot about other religions and cultures and societies and kind of put yourself in their shoes. But like, if I think about it overall, like Elder Scrolls, like going from like, where I was in oblivion, like it's just this cool, fun bonding thing with, with friends and so on. And like, you know, Skyrim, it was a big, 
piece of exciting part of my life and so on and then starting fudge from up and so on and making a career career out of it and now i'm like married with two kids that's all supported by yeah that's, fudge that's the main entirely thing. and oh, i work with you know my best friends and it's just like an awesome kind of do you know what i mean like it's a very it's at the end of the day you can get all mushy but it's a very like important yeah, thing to be we are very for. lucky yeah yeah i mean and it was it was a lot of work as well at the start and i suppose in a way obviously it boosts your confidence when you set out to build something like this that nobody really thinks is possible at the start or nobody really believes you in your career or job as a you know real job and then it, you pushing and making it that is obviously a mm. kind of big mental boost in your life and just for personal growth and all that but as far as the actual elder scrolls well playing it goes is is also a different part of it yeah like i mean for me the elder scrolls kind of indirect indirectly led me to fudge muppet because i've always been a big reader since i was a kid but after playing skyrim back in 2011 so like you know four years five years before i'd meet you guys um skyrim is what got me really into to personal writing to just write like um, writing um, fan fiction initially for Skyrim, which eventually led into me world building and writing my own prose outside of Fudge Muppet. And then, you know, that that is kind of what got me di fairly decent at writing enough that, you know, when I met Scott, it was like, oh, do you want to help, you know, come and write some scripts and then see how it goes? And then here we are. So it's all kind of circled back. Skyrim kicked things off for me because I could never... I could never do an office job. I don't know how I'd do it. Like working in an accounting firm when I was in high school, it's just like, ugh. Well, that was one back. of the biggest motivations. I remember early days, even in 2013, um, saying to Scott, like, you know, if, if we don't have to like become some rich people, but if we can make this a job, then we can do this instead of, you know, going your separate ways. You know, friends stop talking to each other as much as they get older and different things separate them and you end up in some job you don't like let's just go and try this and give it the same attention that you would have to give a degree if you finished it anyway like the same attention to detail but give it to youtube and see how you go yeah, yeah it is hard to say to people like oh you know like go all in on your on your dreams if it's something like youtube because it's it's bloody hard to to make it in things like this but at the same time like never also never give up on the things you're passionate about because if we had if we'd done that then we wouldn't it's, be talking not, right now it's not know? a good yeah. strike rate advice because yeah. it's like you can give that advice to 10 people one of them is successful and takes it and then they'll go yeah that's the best advice they ever got but for those nine other people where it didn't work out exactly how they wanted to or something like that it's the kind of thing that because you don't want to give that advice then to people because mm -hmm. you feel guilty because you led these yeah. nine people it is it, it is tough like the especially doing stuff like this there are chill periods but like i just as an example like when fallout 4 came out we were working like i remember we did a 35 hour day mm. like we literally did 35 hour day and then slept for five hours woke up you're awake for another 24 hours asleep for five hours like it was crazy because mm. we were just we had to we didn't get early copies especially back then and we were just absorbing as much of it as we could yeah. and kind of viewing this as like this is a big break and we have to capitalize on this um you know yeah you've got to do what you got to do and obviously it was an advantage starting young because you have more time yeah and less responsibility mm -hmm. yeah. anyway yeah. moving on uh james if you guys had to remove one race from the elder scrolls who would it be and why 
I, I suppose I would pick a race that is the least impactful on all the law. Well, just I there, suppose. you just had um, Torah talk. I added this just to, on the list because he replied to James saying, personally, I'd merge the Bretons and the Imperials. And I think ultimately, if you could functionally do that or like, you know, get rid of one and like mm. feasibly like the Bretons includes Imperials or, or, or vice versa. I would versa. get rid of the Bretons probably. Yeah. Like, because if the, you, And merge it into a stronger Imperial culture. Yeah. Basically because a lot of their, like at their base anyway, they're all Needics. And then you just basically have Needs who, you know, got rid of their Elven oppressors, the other ones who kind of interbred with them and got a bit of magic flair. But like mm. for the most part, it's a very default kind of yeah. structure. I, I, I feel like. Yeah. I suppose one race you could also get rid of as well would be the orcs. As much as they have really cool lore, that I don't want to get rid of any of the races, but just hear me out. They don't have their own province. Affecting them would affect... Taking them out would um, remove so many things... Sorry, would not remove a lot of stuff only, on the timeline. Only thing there is like the whole like it's so important. I think to the like to the metaphysical narrative with like Trinimac and him becoming Malakath and, and then corrupted it orcs and then the orcs you know become a part of the uh, sorry the Malakath being a corner of the House of Troubles because if there's no orcs, there's basically no Malakath. Like there's no like kind of thing and him and also Orsinium's very important to the to high to High Rock and Hammerfell's. Uh, development like yeah, you know Gaiden, Hyrox Shinji and all of Hyrox that developments not doesn't even no, 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 exist but I just, without the Bretons yeah but like so. you know characters like Gaiden Shinji and the Siege of Orsinium and all these kinds of things doesn't like this. really exist without the Bretons so right? I think a good no well but if there were what I'm saying is if you got rid of Bretons and there were just other needs like there was no separate oh, race, so they were humans. all imperial they're just there. all like imperial or needs call of the race needs but like right. I just mean like I think orcs add I more. was thinking more like if you got rid of the the Bretons that Hyrox would be run by Dureni elves yeah, that was, I, my, that was my original thought. My, what I was kind of going is that the needs and the Dureni are there. The Dureni sort of control them, but they don't interbreed and create this other race. They just sort of lord over needs. Yeah, right. Okay. I guess. Okay. Yeah, but um, or they could get rid of Argonians because you know, <laughs> like now I wouldn't even because then you know who's yeah. gonna you know harvest the salt rice you know so. yeah i mean i just like you had, but I mean if you simply put if you okay. look back orcs weren't even a playable race right. Was it Arena uh, or Daggerfall? They were just a, yeah. an enemy type, and that worked perfectly fine. I'm not saying that's better than what we have now. I'd prefer yeah. all the 10 playable races to stay there, but, I mean, it worked. Yeah, but it's just worse for it, I think. I mean, would you rather that be the case? It's like they're saying, if you had to remove one race, I'm not picking Orcs. Nah, yeah. if I if I had to, I would merge them with Imperials so long as the Imperials were in High Rock and essentially just replace the Bretons there like is mm. uh, like the needs like you were saying like because then the timeline taking out high rock changes a lot more things in the timeline than you think hmm. um, uh, yeah. like drastically uh, more so than taking out orcs, I, I think that sort. having them yeah as we've pretty much said having them as being two different strains of need removing all the stuff about them being a half breed and just kind of double down on the on the law that um, you take the race of the mother or whatever like that, rather than having the half breed that kind of contradicts it. Mm. Have them be a different group of Nords because they're both you know. into commerce. Um, yeah. And you know, you could just say, say you pick a need, you can either be an Imperial need or a Bre uh, like not Breton need, but a High Rock need. And that would probably right. be the most, the best way to do it without destroying tons of lore. <laughs> I know it's just taking the piss, and I love to like just bash on Argodians because it's funny and like you know I like do you? Word, you know play into it, um, but. It's actually funny if you actually take the Argonians and move them out. Like they're Nothing actually the, that they're the much. least. They're probably one of the least 
important to the actual like Tamriel's history. Like outside of basically, it's just like you're just not going to have you know the slaves will have to be like Khajiit slaves for the Dunmer or something purely instead of Argonians or something because if you just remove that and it's just a say an empty swamp full of dangerous whatever yeah just the hist controlling lizards but the lizards aren't a a playable race yeah because then you don't really lose anything because the Argonians just stick to their realm they don't really play a a big role in everywhere else but but yes I would anyway I I guess it wasn't it wasn't remove a playable race it was remove the whole race yeah Hmm. Um, well, anyway, anyway, yeah. anyway, the Order of Talos. Who was Belaza's heir, the third emperor of the Elysian Empire? Belaza is thought to be the first Minotaur, and there's a lot of Minotaurs in present-day Tamriel, implying he was a sex machine. However, the rest of the Elysian emperors, to my knowledge, were imperial but dragonborn, suggesting they were in some form related to him. It's been something I've wanted to know for years. Yeah, well, the 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 unfortunate fact is that we just actually don't know who um, it was like we have there is this one out of source thing called Amiel I think it's from a yeah it's Matt Grandstaff's post from the Imperial Library and that's in the year 322 so that's like a hundred years after um, oh, sorry less than a hundred years um, but still um, the ultimately you, you, you don't we just don't know it's assume you would assume that Belas's kid was kind of maybe a bit bullish looking or something and that there were other minotaurs or other you, you know what I mean? Like, maybe it could even be things like, uh, I don't know, like it just kind of got bred out and the Minotaurs became a separate race or so on because we don't really have any proper canon mention of another um, emperor until it's Emperor Gorius in 461. So, which is, you know, basically just, just shy of 200 years afterwards. So, it's plenty of time for multiple generations of emperors and so on. But yeah, it's ultimately we just don't know... <laughs> But yeah, he must have gotten around a bit to, to yeah, yeah. All right. We just well, know. unfortunately, you've wanted to know for years, and we <laughs> failed to <laughs> answer your question. Um, Jimmy the Freak, if a Fudge Muppet cameo were to happen in a future Elder Scrolls game, Elder Rolls game, what would be your roles in that Elder Scrolls game? Uh, um, yeah. I think the best way, like, if I was like, like, kind of like unbiased but i'm like trying to like implement us as be like, make me a daedric prince yeah yeah but trying to unbiased us like, like a little easter egg or something i think like you know you could go for like three three bards three b- bards or like kind of three yeah. people like you could put us as three characters in a library in the in the whatever equivalent yeah. of the mages guild thing kind of like in like all in all's video where it was just like a, a there's a dramora a dunma and a bosma sitting around a table in a tavern having a muted conversation and you can kind of tell it's us but it doesn't impact yeah. your game at all. It's just a yeah. little Easter egg. Would I feel like be that's the best. the best way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I got really hopeful when I was playing Fallout seventy six, and I found Deathclaw Island, and and you go there, and there's like the skeletons, three skeletons dead on the floor, and we'd made this video when <laughs> Fallout four was big called Deathclaw Island, which was an island with Deathclaws on it, mm. um, and it got it got media attention too. Like they posted that video in like different like kotaku type things and like they drew attention to it but no mm. it's just yeah it was not next question. never more yeah. never more yeah. someone asked a similar question regarding official law but i'm curious which part of kirk brides out of game law do you each dislike the most i wouldn't say i particularly hate any of it but obviously all of the 
space era stuff just yeah. interests me the least yeah. when you, i suppose yeah. but i don't like dislike any of it like oh i hate what makes people dislike it i guess is when they try and integrate it like if you like and make mentally, it canon. if you just kind of take it as it is it's like oh this is yeah. a fun interpretation um some, some like some of those kind of ideas like you know even things like Pelinor being a a, a a cyborg from a future time kind of thing like i don't even mind those but there are some bits where it's a little like some parts of Coda for sure are yeah, a bit but, odd. But um, yeah, I, dislikes are, dislike and hate. We're just positive people, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless it's yeah. the Ebonheart Pact, then. Oh, you know. All right, all right, all right. Uh, anything to say, Drew, or shall I move on? No, I was, I was going to get into the kind of killing light of Pelinor thing as well. That so long as it's yeah. not, you know, it's just a reference to the Amulet of Kings as opposed to him being an actual space cyborg. Mm. But yeah, it gets pretty wacky. All right, hello there, XD. If you had to choose between Elder Scrolls Three, Morrowind, or Oblivion's collection of weapons and armor that could be in the Elder Scrolls Six, what would be your pick? Assuming like all of the graphics are like brought up to yeah, to yeah, snuff, of, course. of course. Then uh, Morrowind, I think, like just with the ordinate armor, the Daedric sort of armor, the glass looks so cool. But do you um, think that would that wouldn't really mold. fit at all? And why not? It's just asking which collection would you pick. Also, also to be the armor collection they use in a High Rock or Hammerfell game, you would choose Morrowinds. Well, assuming it's High Rock Hammerfell, but I'd rather no, like this that could fit. be. I, I'm assuming it was added, like it's an addition, not like the. Uh, uh, oh, okay, like yeah, like, like those. Op- if it's optional things you can craft, yeah, like you go and you're like, yeah. I want to cl- craft Morrowind glass, then yeah, I would pick like Morrowind. most of like a lot of. I've kind of come like a lot of Oblivion's armor kind of looks a little like. Yeah. Especially the helmets. Like, honestly, like, there's some cool ones. Like, I mean, you guys, I don't even think you guys like the Orcish one. I, I kind of like the Orcish from the neck down. But um, Ebony kind of looks cool from the neck down. Um, you know, there's the classic knight steel looking thing. But, like, the rest of it's nothing Still looks special. Good in the Daedric's Morrowind cool Daedric and recognizable. But, yeah, Morrowind Daedric and the Daedric masks and stuff. And, and obviously things like Bone Mold and the Ordinator armor. I even prefer the Imperial armor in Morrowind, the bit more of a sort of, like, Byzantine kind of... Yeah. We, we should make videos, I think. We should do some armor comparison and weapon comparison videos between the games and talk about which are, which are our favorites I mean, in general. Having a few more armor pieces slots as well is, is better than just kind of dumbing yeah. it down to... A few, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's even less in Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Non-dual thirteen. Out of all the Elder Scrolls games, which one do you think was the most significant in the lore which was introduced? Significant um, in what way? Because I feel like Morrowind's, Morrowind's lore put Elder Scrolls on the map, as in like this. But is Morrowind, some crazy I would even say, lore. in terms of the most significant, Morrowind is almost like a soft reboot. It adds dragon breaks. Mm. It adds Kim. It adds all of the metaphysical mm. basis of all the. But in terms of lore games. that most people actually know about, couldn't you say the Oblivion Crisis was like a? Well, I mean, it was, but like a could be one of the most impactful crazy events that forever changed the timeline like it depends uh, what us what way are you looking at it i suppose i would just say that o- overall like all of the books simply put like a lot of the base of all of these books added in the times of morrowind a lot of the lore and all the the stuff that fleshed it out and even the story mm. like the empire the nords all the ideas no, of what sense. everything was like put- i just don't in my head i don't consider that morrowind lore even though it is do you know what i mean yeah it's a book that's not like about oblivion's morrowind. oblivion's lore contributions were 
pretty shit for the most part because they went back on it. Like, obviously, you can love the game for like all these with the Imperials reasons. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but with the yeah, like they're kind of like there's some parts that are really good, but then some just sort of, you know, um, not as. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I would say Morrowind is definitely the one. Um, even if you don't like the game, like Morrowind is the most significant in terms of um, law contribution to the game because it was like a soft tone reboot. Like Daggerfall and the one game and Arena before it was sort of like a very pulpy sort of Frank Frazetta sort of typical kind of fantasy sword and sorcery kind of vibe games in in a, in a lot of the ways. But like. Um, uh, come Skyrim, it's like obviously. I mean, I was sorry. Come Morrowind, they sort of obviously it's like Star Warsy sort of looking right there. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it added a lot of lore. All of your Kim, all of your all of your God bits and pieces, Dragon Breaks. Even though that's contrived, it's all foundational <laughs> stuff that was built in into Morrowind's lore. All Agreed. right, yeah. Immortal Wolf. Um, what are your thoughts on the relationship between Kinnereth slash Kine and her husband, Lorcan Shaw, and how it ties to the creation of Mundus, her motives for helping the Nords use the Thorm, and her supposed contact with Alicia through visions of Pelin and Whitestrake's arrival, who is a Shazarine? Um, kind of reminds me of last podcast. I would just kind of say bit. that Kine, like overall Kine Kinnereth seems to be very pro Lorcan Shaw, and kind of it seems like a more, uh, you know favorable kind of thing and i guess even her domain being sort of like nature is kind of dependent on a like mortal realm for it to exist in but you know obviously she's seen as the the wife of shaw teaching the nords thorm and helping them out helping out um Pelinor and so on these are all like big groups of men who are basically fighting elves in their respective conflicts and so on so um i guess that's my thoughts on it and i feel like she's just a one of the adria who are more favorable of creation and she literally took Shaw as a as a husband, I guess. So, yeah, that's my okay. thoughts. Do you guys, have every there? major thing they they've been involved with has allowed the mortal realm to continue to exist. You know, it's it's Padmaic. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Jordan Wiley. Okay, first of all, thank you for the amazing content, guys. You're welcome. My question is, if you could experience from the narrator's point of view a single part of Elder Scrolls lore from start to finish. What would it be and why? Such as the Elysian Slave Rebellion. Yeah, it could be that one. Or the Battle of Red Mountain. I don't... I think the Battle of Red Mountain shouldn't. It's another one of those what? same sort of things as the Dwemer. Just quickly, just sorry, just quickly. What does it mean from the narrator's point of view? Like you're experiencing I, I'm it assuming they mean like a, like a more authoritative kind of thing. Like as if you were kind of like experiencing... Yeah, like you, you're like, watch, you have a camera's view on everything happening and you get all the perspectives... Like, like it's that. not it's not just dialogue. it's not just reading a book telling you about the past which sort of seems a little bit more unreliable so like an omniscient like no, yeah i'm assuming that's what God he means like that's how i understand his question but i would say um not red mountain because part of the conflict and 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 stuff there is like um th that's part of its appeal sort of similar to the dwemer stuff and it's you know somewhat related but i think honestly uh as long as they kept a lot of the mythic elements, the Elysian Slave Rebellion is yeah, really cool. Yeah, that sounds like, like a really good one. As terms of a story, if you had like, you know, from her emancipation from the Aelids all the way up through, you know, her relationship with Morrowhouse and Palinor there and all these amazing things, fighting all of these sorcerer kings, so many cool characters. So I'd go for the convention and watch, <laughs> watch the, you know, the conversation about what they're going to do with Lorcan after they defeat him and his armies of men see all, all of the gods convening, see um, Magnus and his 
um, Magnagi flee, see the ripping of his heart and the firing it across the sea, and just get see, see everyone's perspective of all the Adra who would commit to. What if they're just a bunch of glowing, colorful orbs, and they're like really boring? So they're just all augurs of Dunlane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> I, I, that would be what I would pick. I'd, I'd want to be a fly on the wall during that that epic debate <laughs> between yeah. gods. You know, like, maybe I would I would actually pick the Trinomac Boethia incident just to see what actually happened. You're inside the curious. intestines with him just to see how it just, all goes I down. Just, see, just I, really I feel like that's know. that like the f- the actual convention. I feel like is so like once again, it's like all of that kind of stuff is so like subjective and cultures like whatever Won't you be saw. Would, narrator, but then there. I feel like that kind of kills it because you go, oh, all of these others are sort of invalid or like not interesting kind of. Whereas I guess if there's the Trinomac one, the only variations are small, like, oh, exactly how it happened or, or did Mavala help stab him? Like if you saw it actually happen out, it could just be a cool thing to watch. Alternatively, that. maybe the destruction of Lig. So Mehrun's Dagon being created, the oh, Dreg yeah. Kings okay. and their, uh, their tyranny and, and who these slaves were who destroyed the, the realm. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, I vibe that one. All right. Uh, Sith Makuta257. Would you ever consider expanding to Fallout or other RPGs? I know it's called the Elder Scrolls podcast, but I would like to see you guys cover other games in a similar fashion. So obviously we have, I mean, we did heaps of Fallout stuff and other RPG stuff with Witcher, but I suppose in podcast format, uh, we would. I, I suppose the thing to consider is opportunity cost. And I would say that, like, the Elder Scrolls podcast is definitely the focus, but it's still, you know, it, it does take time um, when we also have to make, like, other videos for the channel. So, like, in a, in a world where I had all the time in the world, potentially, at the moment, though, I'm feeling very, to be honest, like, focused on the Elder Scrolls podcast. It'd have to be something that, like, we were really, really into, like, because... Yeah, like, insanely passionate so, about. So, like, we all love Fallout, but we could probably cover Fallout's entire lore in this amount of... However long the podcast has been going so far, we could probably <laughs> do it in this amount of time. Whereas Elder Scrolls, we've got endless <laughs> no content. Way. I feel like you I, could... I want to... No, you... Wait, right. you know what? In, are you saying in all 50 episodes? Of a no, 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 I mean in no, two no, hours. No, no, he's saying this oh, episode. Okay, not two hours. But Look, like, obviously, in a. I wanted you to say some crazy take, and I got it. I'm glad. <laughs> Scott, I'm glad. You, I saw your meme a long time, like a while ago, and it's just like, it's like Fallout lore, and it's just like the, the main character saying to the master, stop, and he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, then Elder Scrolls the lore, one. and it's just like this weird, like, extremely. Um, Oh, what's the music? Oh, Luminati. Luminati. It's Luminati I'm pretty stuff. sure it's um somebody you used to know, Didn't but like know. done in a yeah. remix. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it is. But yeah, like it would have to be something we're really into. And the other thing is, and this is just obviously the reality of what happens when it becomes your kind of job, is that um you need like for example, I'm sure there are like book series or or other sort of fantasy worlds that aren't are nowhere near as popular that you could get enthusiastic about and talk about. But there's, it's not like there's enough space for it for on youtube do you know what I mean? well not not enough space but there is no space like no no one would be interested or know what you're talking about when I mean, you get a little obscure talking know? about lord of the rings or a song of ice and fire would be amazing but i assume i think i think i've seen some but that that stuff is fairly well covered already by mm. people who are as nerdy towards those universes as we are towards this one yeah so so yeah Alternative Oats, what is your least favorite retcon? And if you were to introduce a new retcon, what would it be? Congrats on the anniversary and well done on all the hard work. Thank you. 
Um, I would say the... Uh, like, I guess it, I don't know if it kind of covers, I could go like Dragon Cult was technically a retcon and I could be lazy and use the exact same answer because that's kind of retconned into the history. They added that in, in mm. Skyrim. Um, my, my least oh, favorite jungle. retcon. Yeah, <laughs> jungle a transcription Cyril. error. <laughs> yeah, Jungle Cyrodiil. I wish it was actually a jungle in the time of Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Like, and it was never retconned out of existence. I just think the jungle and all of its culture built around its way cooler. Mm. Yeah, uh, I feel like for me, it would actually be the... The fact that in Skyrim, their pantheon is not, like, strong. I would make that a lot stronger. Yeah. I really don't like that when you, you go to, like, Froki's shack. This is the kind uh, yeah. follower. And it's just like, oh, you know, I'm one of the only people in the whole game staying true to the true Nordic pantheon. Yeah. It's like, uh, mm. I would have rather Skyrim feel way more Nordic than it actually did. How, how's, how's this for an answer? My least favorite retcon is that they turned Cyrodiil from a jungle into a thing. What would I introduce as a new retcon? They turn it back into a jungle <laughs> in Elder Scrolls 6. <laughs> yeah. But I honestly, that one, I just think there's a lot of cool, like you read about in the Pock Guide to the Empire, there's so many cool things, like all of these like golden gemmed bridges over the Imperial City, like these big like combination. Got nothing to do with jungle though. No, but it's built in the eye, like it's all jungle and they have like this rice-based economy on the edges, like on the flats of the Nibine and so on. And then Mm. they're like transporting up and down and like, it's the jungle is part of the aesthetic. It's a bit wilder. It's crazier. You've got the aelids with the beads and feathers and it's like, it's a different feel to just you know medieval europe i think my retcon would be as much as as much as i understand why the devs of eso did it and they kind of had to do it i would make somerset much more like the description in the pocket guide of like the you know this this bright glass and insect wings kind of city that's blinding to see and um that would that would make it feel more like morrowind feels because in morrowind they weren't afraid to make some really bizarre alien looking place Whereas, but but what if you 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 won't see it though? So I, I, I guess if the Elder Scrolls ever went to Somerset properly yeah. in an RPG in a single player RPG, I'd want it to be alien. Yeah, because pretty sure from my memory in Morrowind, the glass armor that you have in Morrowind, I'm pretty sure is actually supposed to be an Ultima design at the time. Like so, yeah. like it's like the kind of idea is that oh, over in the Somerset Isles, they have all this crystalline looking armor and stuff, and it's like. Ugh. Instead, it's just Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's just... Exactly. Which, you know, they're cool too. Like, it's nothing... It's just, obviously, something a little zesty, a little more flavor. Yeah. Cooler. But yeah, there's plenty of retcons like that that you could be like, oh, like a lot of the first pocket guides of the Empire, there's a lot of stuff in there that... Yeah. Anyway, Cody Bangert, um, do you guys have plans for another big lore video type essay in the future that's around an hour or so in length? Or do you guys prefer making shorter ones? Either way... Love you guys, your guys' content. Um, I mean, yeah, I, there's there's a bunch. Like, it just depends. You've kind of got to find the ones. Like, sometimes topics only require a shorter video. Like, you don't want to just bloat it for the sake of... For, for just talking yeah. for ages on end. But sometimes when it's like, you know, Vivek explained or like a, a mortality guides or like... Um, like I mean, know, 36 lessons of Vivek would be a big one. That, that would be a massive... technically on the table. I've got, there is an Alma Lexi one I actually had a while back started and then kind of have to like think about it more because there's a lot you can do. Let us know in the comments what big lore mm. essays do you want to see? Give us a topic that, that would actually but, go for an hour. Because yeah, as, as you said, I think most of our 20 minute videos, 
if we weren't trying to be concise and like it may not seem like we're being concise all the time but for the most part we're trying to boil it down to the most important information most of them could be an hour long if we just let ourselves go on tangents that are somewhat relevant things like that and go into all the detail but trying to keep it not too long and not too you know we don't want anyone to get bored so and i and i think the ones that usually do have uh that run a lot longer are often things that have a lot of like metaphysical wrap your head around it explanations that require like knowledge to build upon so you can kind of tell them whereas if you were just like oh do an hour on like stormcloaks versus imperials or something it's like you, you can i mean i'm sure we could or something maybe even that like why the empire are the not the good guys maybe could even be that long but it's a little bit more i guess like surface level feeling it's not like philosophical it's more like discussing like the morality of like yeah invading a country and killing its people until they submit to you is bad it's not do you know what i mean mm. like it's not as it's not like a it's not like a yeah. galaxy brain take it's very like yeah so yeah anyway about to head out are you guys considering switching to an actual studio where all three of you are in the same room or is it too inconvenient for now it would be cool to see you guys in a cool studio with props and a nice design while while discussing deep mind effing elder scrolls lore lol much love and keep up the amazing content well thank you very much um we have thought about the podcast all being in like one room to begin with but especially with the uh, oblivion crisis that was 2020 uh being all in separate places was actually much better um and it's in still... 2019 we also had like a we actually rented out an office space but we didn't really vibe it like not having to commute and all working from your own spot at home is actually way better it would be good if we had like it would be at someone's the respective prop stuff house with nice. all of the props and studio and so on but with with uh with uh, the flu at the moment, like there's all, it, that, you know, things can change on a dime. It will be okay one day and then you go back to the old format. So we kind of don't necessarily want to want to um, to do that yet. But, yeah. uh, but I do like the aesthetic yeah. idea of it all. Hmm. Uh, uh, Jason Jackson, if any part of the Elder Scrolls was turned into a movie or a show like the Witch series or Game of Thrones, which part of the universe would you like to see into... Uh, turned into a 10 out of 10 film or series. Uh, I suppose that's like the Elysian Slave Rebellion question. Just pick that one because we're probably not going to get a game with it. I just, so let's... And I think it needs to be that. animated as well. Wouldn't want it live action. Yeah, personally. I, 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 I agree. Because I think this is why I'm... You know, I'm not even a Weebler. I don't even really like anime for the sake of anime. Because like, you know, what I'm saying is different. Like some people really like anime specifically. But like I like animation regardless. Because there's... It's just you can draw your imagination way better than you can actually get someone to look like it unless you rely on like heaps of CGI, which often becomes expensive or just doesn't look as good as the actual thing. Mm. Like an, a, an actual good quality animation would be awesome for yeah. it. And, and you see it, you know, it's actually, it's one thing that's really cool. It's becoming more of a trend, like, you know, the Castlevania series on Netflix or, or things like that. Like it's not just becoming, like I, I feel like Netflix, especially and Western audiences are adapting it more um, adopting animation more just for series in general and people even viewers aren't like looking oh that's a cartoon it's like they just watch it as a show also in terms of like the the with all of the pandemic stuff going on it's like it makes more sense that you know people can draw in offices and so on and and you know you can just do your voice and so you don't have to have these big sets and studios set sorry big sets and and filming spaces and you know travel around the world for scenes and locations. also adaptations scare me like I, I feel like if something like this were to happen i'd want as many of the the 
big original minds behind the Elder Scrolls to be a part of it as possible because both of the examples Jason gave of the Witcher series and Game of Thrones I like thinking about them make me physically uncomfortable because I love I love <laughs> both of those series I'm, I love A Song of Ice and Fire and Wait, you wouldn't like Henry Cavill as the dragon? <laughs> no, Henry Cavill's Pelina Whitestrake and he even brings the same wig like the white hair. It's just Both book series are fantastic. The games are great, but like The Witcher show I despised and Game of Thrones, the second they didn't have George Martin's work to operate off, it's it just like, woo, straight downhill. So I'd be scared that Elder Scrolls... Like, it, nothing would ruin... Elder Scrolls. I still love The Witcher. I still love A Song of Ice and Fire, but it'd be nice if you get the original minds involved. This this might be like a weird take on on The Witcher, but for some reason I can actually tolerate it. I just treat it as a very different thing. I just treat it as a completely <laughs> no seriously. Like I don't I don't think it's. I'm not it's, saying I think it's no. great. Yeah. But like I I watched the first um season and i'm like oh it wasn't as bad if you as actually, i thought yeah, i think it, it depends what expectations you go in like when i was reading everyone saying this is the worst thing i have ever seen zero out of ten i'm like oh it must be terrible i'm like oh like obviously it's nowhere near as good as the games or the books to be honest too, the, the first like the first half of the witcher series kind of is a bit is like much slow worse than the second half the second i didn't half like all the changing better. around just watch five hours it gets good after that <laughs> yeah i know what you mean and i yeah. agree I yeah agree. No, I look like... I'm, I'm being overly cynical but to me it feels like uh more so with the witcher it's like you're hiring writers as opposed to people who love the series who are also writers it felt like they didn't yeah. care that much about the world yeah. they were I mean I mean I suppose that's the it's the intention as well that you watch it with like I went into it like not feeling serious and like I could actually laugh at some things that I thought looked bad but mm. then still did, did you guys enjoy it also know. you know we've, we've got a fallout tv show coming do you know remember that's a thing I forget oh, that yeah. that's a thing happening but I, there's going to be a fallout tv show at some honestly point. didn't know yeah probably saw so, one of the news channels say something and just chalked it off as a clickbait title or something <laughs> Last anyway. one is Tallow Defoe, who says, "If you had to be Daedric worshippers, who would you worship?" Azura, I guess. Yeah. Kind of like the same question Azura. we had earlier, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Unless I was, unless reasons. I was an assassin in the Morag Tong, then Mafala. I feel like I'd take that as a second. But why would you want to be? I don't know, because then I'd just be an assassin, bro, and then <laughs> that's <it>. fair. <laughs> that is pretty, oh, that's why do the cool. Dark Brotherhood quest like did? I don't know. It's just you know, it's uh, yeah. it's a. Uh, yeah, I think Azura, <laughs> Azura is the pick. Yeah. Plenty right, well, to worship. That brings us to the end of the 52-week special Q&A podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for supporting this podcast the whole way. A lot of the comments you leave um, below really do motivate us and um, keep it all going. So thank you so much Appreciate from all you. of us. Social media links are in the description below. If you want to get some sick fudge Muppet merch, there's a link there too. And we all look forward to noting out with you again very soon. Peace out.